This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> Choice. I could put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. You maniacs! What is a man? When we are successful, we will be. We had a real chance with this. Tell me, why did you refuse to join me? Why, God? How did I disappoint you? You were incapable of believing in yourself. <laughs> you stole your power from others. You rejected your human origins and chose to covet the power of what you call God. You never grew beyond your days in the flask. Did you truly think you'd become superior to humans by removing your seven desires? Don't make me laugh. What's wrong with that? I only wanted to obtain perfection. I wanted this world's knowledge for my own. Why should I be punished for that? What's wrong with craving knowledge? What's wrong with seeking perfection? Well, speak. What are you, anyway? Do you even have a name? Who the hell do you think you are? Who am I? One name you might have for me is the world. Or you might call me the universe. Or perhaps God. Or perhaps the truth. I am all, and I am one. So, of course, this also means that I am you. I'm the truth of your despair, the inescapable price of your boastfulness. <laughs> Humans who would dare to play God must pay a steep price for their arrogance. That is truth. <laughs> and now, I will bestow upon you the despair you deserve. for the boastful. Just tell me what I was supposed to do! You brought this outcome upon yourself. What did I do wrong? What should I have done? <laughs> you simply must have seen the answer with your own eyes. Look and see, it's episode 67 of Behind the Schemes for October 18th, 2021. I am Booberry Mothman of the Miniocalypse.
And happy to see Bill Gates, arrest Bill Gates rather, trending on Twitter. Hashtag arrest Bill Gates. Glad to see that going on. Coming from the left coast, which is the best coast, I am lavish. Oh, wait. Uh, did I get that right? You're no, wearing- I'm filling in for lavish. That's what it was. Shoot. You're, you're, wearing, you're wearing Lavish's face. Sir Seat Sitter is wearing Lavish's <laughs> face tonight, everybody. And uh, joining us from 14 hours in the future, we have the guys from the Japan What podcast, 120 Japan. and Matt Bigelow. Welcome. Thank you for uh, having us on the show. This is Matt from the Japan What podcast. Japan What? Nice. <laughs> nice. Personalized, individualized clips. Much appreciated. <laughs> Uh, Sir Seat Sitter is a little bit of a clip commander. You picking up what I'm putting down? <laughs> yeah, that's that's very impressive. Uh, I don't know if you prepared this in advance or you just have some amalgamation of words that you put together like fridge magnets from the early 2000s. I do, I do have the the full version of that, which is edit from the beginning is from Ed Ed and Eddie, which is uh, I, I I clipped this together. This is about four seconds longer. Here we go. <laughs> Japan. What? <laughs> I'm going to be clipping that. <laughs> I'm going to steal that and put on the Japan with podcast from the next time. I'll, sh- I'll give you guys a shout out, though. Uh, I'll make you uh, producers. How's that sound? We love it. Uh, Japan What is another uh, value for value production, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the Japan Web podcast uh, started out um, right before the pandemic hit, and we were originally focusing on lifestyle and music, but after the pandemic hit, it totally destroyed everything. There's, of course, still lifestyle and still music, but everything is kind of absorbed into the COVID sphere. Um, and we're trying to get into the the value-for-value value modeling scheme uh, through the Adam Curry version of Podcasting 2.0, where you can send Sats and I have a donation link and I have tried to put up the the Bitcoin donation QR code up on the website at MatthewPMBigelow.com. Indeed, love it. Pulling that website what? out to to drop it into the <laughs> chats. Yeah. Um. So, what do you guys think about the value for value? Are you guys are value for value too, and how are you guys implementing that? Well, Sir Sir Seat Sitter was a value for nothing for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm actually a guest co-host tonight, filling in for Lavish. So, but yeah, Lavish and Boobery, value for value. Um, I've been I did a hundred episodes value for nothing where I didn't even set up a donation page till a hundred episodes in. But yeah, value for value now. Yeah, and uh, as uh, or Sir Seat Sitter is from uh, Abs in a Six Pack, A B S N A, the number six, P A C K. Um, the best way to get there is shitmyass.com, though. Okay. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is true. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've been uh, we've been using that uh, courtesy of No Agenda uh, ever since we started. Um, we haven't, you know, taken donations or anything for uh, for every episode, but um, you know, we've we've had uh, quite a few artists and pieces in. We've had uh, a couple of uh, listener written songs that we've included in our intermissions before. And it's a lot more fun than just sitting there having to do ad reads of shit, you know? Definitely. Um, one thing I've noticed about the um, Jap- Japan side listeners and the American side listeners is the American side listeners like to get a lot more involved. Um, sometimes in Japan, 
the package is supposed to be delivered to the customer as like this complete thing. And then they're enjoying it as is on that other side, even though they might contribute from time to time. Sometimes it feels like the idea of, uh, of like real time collaboration isn't as prevalent in Japan as it is in America and the podcasting spheres. That's what I've seen anyways. Fascinating. I, uh, I, I definitely want to, uh, would love to talk about that, get into it. Um, I would though first start off by, uh, reading off tonight's tarot card so we can get prop, uh, get started proper. Uh, tonight we drew the King of Swords from the Line Strider deck and, uh, just a quick definition of it. Confidence, power, truth, insight, integrity, legal matters, actions, ideas, strength, honor, harshness, judgment, and disassociative <laughs> identity disorder. Jesus. Uh, the King of Swords is an incredibly intelligent and honest and powerful ally. He believes in order, system, and the value of following the rules. He is often a boss, employer, mentor, or public figure. He has a lot of strength, intellect, good judgment, good judgment, and a tactical mind. However, he can also be very cold, harsh, and rigid. And uh, Yeah, I'm going to need you to get that TPS report in by Monday. Did you get that memo? <laughs> <laughs> total total chad of swords am i right <laughs> is this the inatech of of tarot we're dealing with here <laughs> yeah well, i don't uh I, I used to do a lot of um tours and whatnot broadway shows and i'd start off uh in later years i'd start off the show by drawing a card and it just kind of felt appropriate to bring it to the show so ever since we went live we kind of been just drawing cards and uh, talking about them, Lavish is uh, is pretty knowledgeable about a lot of the recurring themes and uh, meanings and uh, the symbolism behind the cards. Um, so, if if you were Lavish Booberry, given your your intimate experience with the intellectual side of things on on his end, how would you interpret Lavish's interpretation of this card? I'd say he's a very stern uh, sort of you know, cuts right to the chase sort of archetype. And he's, um, he can appear, well, I mean, he's, he's a fucking, he's the king. He's got his sword, you know, he's, he's kind of like this, uh, when he needs to be ruthless, he can be ruthless, but when he needs to be, you know, empathetic, he can be empathetic. It's kind of like a a double-edged sword, you know? Um, I wish I could be like that. I wish I was walking around with a crown and a sword instead of a face mask and a phone, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hashtag hope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's always That's, room for change. <laughs> and for that, I'll crack my beer open. There we go. Well, uh, just to wrap it up, this card can appear when you need to put emotions out of this situation and bring in your reason. Some th- uh, sometimes you have to use the sword of wisdom and truth to dig into the essence essence of the matter. This is especially true when your heart is clouding your judgment. You can also see this card when you need to face a strong king or. Hey, there you go. When you make yourself a king. Mm, the self-king maker. Yeah, having that clear mind, though, is important, especially if you're dealing with an emotional situation. I had that happen last night where I could have, like, freaked out or started a fight with somebody, like a, like a mental fight, like an intellectual fight. But I decided to just thank the person and um, move on with my day. You know, it kind of helps that way, especially as you get older. You're just like, I don't need to waste my time. I'll just say thank you and, and go do my time thing elsewhere, you know, keep it for myself. Kind of like you have re your sword right there. That's right. 
keep the scabbard clean. Well, I, uh, I d- definitely thank you again, guys, for joining us. Um, if you all would like to check that card out, I've got it posted in our show notes. You can find it in the descriptor of the episode, or I'll drop the link here again. Um, if any listeners out there want to check out our show notes, they're, they're pretty expansive. You can go to Zoso's Corner, Z-O-S-O-S, corner.substack.com, uh, hit the subscribe button, and then you'll have your show notes sent to you in your email, which is kind of fun. Um, we also have a chat room that's uh, that is featured on our website under the green room. It's on the irc.zeronode.net. Uh, come hang out with us. We got a lot of cool people, including uh, one of our weekly freaks of hazards, Servo. He hangs out and uh, maintains um, our smoking hot bot, Gal, who will draw tarot cards for you. She'll roll dice for you. She'll read your links out for you. You can ask her questions. All sorts of crazy shit. So definitely. Uh, Go and check out the good work that Servo puts into her. Um, and then just to, just to give a special thanks to this week's Freaks of Hazards, which are producers for the show, we had quite a lineup for today. Um, we have a new monthly subscriber uh, by, the, <laughs> by the name of Quaffy Von Dustbubble, and uh, she subs- uh, she's sending in 333 a month. And uh, I was I was tearing up. Nice. I was tearing up when I saw this one come in because Coffee is one of my dearest friends, and uh, it just uh, brings me a lot of joy. And uh, we also had Fletcher of the Hog Story podcast, trendiest podcast in the universe. He's filling our fun holes yet again with his monthly donation of five fifty five. Uh, Bully Steed, we had a new freak of hazard come in. This is uh, I've definitely heard Bully Steed referenced in the MoFax donation segments before, so this is super wild. But um, Bully Seed set, sent in thirty three thirty three to be split evenly between Lavish, myself, and MoFax for his appearance of uh, 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 on Behind the Schemes last week, which was a ton of fun. I'll check oh, that so out. That means that you owe MoFax a paycheck. That's That's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, I've I've already split it up, so Lavish has his cut, and Mo has his cut, and I think Mo. Yeah, but now that you're paying Mo Fax, you're kind of his boss now. I, you know, I've I've donated to the show before. I think Mo was actually the first <laughs> dude that I donated to, out of everyone. Uh, yeah. Um, and then love last, last, love last but not least, uh, Quirkus came in right before the top of the show, and she sent in twenty three sixty nine. Two people. bells for that. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, we, we greatly appreciated everybody. Uh, value for value means we don't take any any sponsorship, any commercials. We don't do any of that shit. Uh, we're entirely listener-driven, listener-funded, and listener-produced. Um, that, that includes sending in artwork or music or clips or stories or ideas. All of it counts. Go to badradio.live or loveislit.com or behind the schemes, SCH3M3S, and uh, find all the cool ways that uh, you can help support public radio. Because <laughs> this is what this is. I'm trying to think if. Uh, is there any other housekeeping? Um, man. Well, it is Screamtober, so get your Scream mails in right now. Oh, this is true. Oh, well, before we do the the voicemails, 
Um, we are also on the new podcasting 2.0 protocol where you can stream sats. So go to newpodcastapps.com and check out one of those uh, value streaming apps. And um, I've been playing with it with the last week. It's been super fun. We also had Mita's coming in with another $10. Holy shit. <laughs> I think this might be the most donations we've had yet. The go What's up, nerds? Where is it? Where is it? What's up, nerds? <laughs> He's got the weirdest voice in his voice and like Mike Cernovich's voice are perfectly weird for radio. You know, like there's these they shouldn't really be on the radio, but their voices are so distinctive that it makes it perfect to listen to sometimes. Mothman's I, got I, nards. I agree with that sentiment, but in totally different ways. Like, Dvorak's voice grows on me the more I hear it. And Cernovich's voice, he sounds... How do I put this nicely? Have you ever heard the phrase, lispy queer? Um, oh no. Why would I hear that <laughs> phrase ever? <laughs> it's kind of specific. All right, I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> yeah, he does have a lisp. Uh, and Cernovich is always on this new path from like spirituality to bodybuilding to law. Whereas Jace, John C. Dvorak never wants to go down a new path ever. He's like, <laughs> just like this grumpy singular kind of a dude on this path that he just, I, that's the thing I want to do. And it's been like that since I've been 12 years old and he's like 70 now. I'm not buying it. Why is this guy still on? <laughs> See, <laughs> But uh, if you want to send sats to the show, check it out. Uh, like I said, newpodcastapps.com. It's a stream sats to your favorite shows. Uh, stream sats to fucking Japan what? Get on it. Help them stack sats. Got to stack sats. This podcasting 2.0 is a very interesting revolution. Um, the, the idea of Bitcoin, I'm trying to get into it more and more. It's hard in Japan, even though a lot of Bitcoin is in Japan because the transaction fees are quite high in most places. But this whole, like the, all these international banks, central banks printing out trillions and trillions of dollars just makes Bitcoin and SATs and alternatives, um, a lot of very, like very appealing from a realistic point of view rather than experimental. Let's, let's play internet money games, you know? No doubt. I didn't even own any Bitcoin until 2021. So it's, uh, I've definitely embraced it for the aspects of, uh, getting into podcasting 2.0. And the more I pick up about Bitcoin specifically, and the more I have conversations with, um, uh, Sir Spencer from bowl after bowl has been really integral to getting us onboarded. Uh, he even got us set up with a ring of fire with a couple of, uh, it's the podcasting ring of fire. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's he's really been kind of leading the charge, and he's uh, kind of opened my eyes, at least, to various avenues where Bitcoin might be a, a, a big contender and maybe not getting away from whatever you want to call the New World Order, but I certainly feel like it would be a, a, a good stepping stone, stepping away from your platforms like YouTube and Twitch and Google and et cetera. Yeah, the internet was supposed to be this experiment for um, freedom. That's the way I got into it. But in the past five, six years, it feels like we've all been corralled into limited choices in a supermarket, it seems, where you're told to buy Pepsi or buy Coke and then get the hell out. Yeah, I'm more of a Dr. Pepper guy anyway, so Bitcoin is my Dr. Pepper. That's my hot Dr. Pepper. 
It's a spicy cherry cola. But uh, we should uh, we should go ahead and pay our respects to Bill Hicks, and then we'll get into a singular voicemail for the time being. Do a commercial. You're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore. And uh, end of story. We told you who was behind the schemes, but you'll never know who's behind the screens. Call our creep phone now and leave a screen mail. We'll play it on the show. 612-263-SEXY. 612-263-SXXY. That's 612-263-7999. Gotta have those sexy numbers in there. Sexy. Yeah, there's there's little trigger words I, I'm I'm constantly listening for. <laughs> uh, but yes, six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. That's six one two two six three sexy s x x y. If you got a question for one twenty or Matt Bigelow, all the way in Japan, be sure. To what's up? What's up? Sure to call that number. Get your questions in or scream for them. Is there any particular types of screams that you guys like? Maybe a I got question. one. <laughs> Is that a can of nitrous? <laughs> it's a red-tailed hawk. It's actually a girl in in the middle of the red light district in Tokyo at five in the That's morning. Right. Is that Shinjuku? Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. it's just ambience. <laughs> it's it's the natural sounds. <laughs> Shit, Matt just stood outside and recorded. I love it. I got uh, I got a, uh, a brief anecdote about um, Shinjuku, but uh, would you guys like to hear the first voicemail that we have for tonight? Yeah, man. Yeah, let's hear it. Sorry, guys, no screaming this week because well, I'm oh. out in the forest, and that doesn't seem like the most appropriate place to scream. But um, but I'm screaming inside because I'm really excited that Corecast is going to be on next week, and Corecast are going to do great. Don't worry about it. Uh, and anybody else who, uh, who, who's, you know, who's not going to be happy with, you know, or I don't know, disparage you in any way, shape, or form about it, well, they can literally go fuck their own face as far as that goes. Wow. But for the, uh, for the rest it. of the freaks of hazard, um, you know, I've been kind of on a spiritual journey as of late, and, uh, there's, uh, I don't know, there, I don't, I don't think there's any secrets out there. It's, you know, it's kind of like Adam Curry's fond of saying, there are no secrets, only information you don't yet have. But I think the reality is we, do have all of the information that we really need to navigate through life, but it's not not out there necessarily. It's it's in there, and you know we all need. You know, I think we're. You know, I'm finding that uh, yeah, that there's a there's a lot of things in my life um, where yeah, I've kind of gone off. I've kind of gone off the uh, you know of where I should be really, um, and now it's just trying to you know there's there's a lot of uh, moving around. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of things that you know, to get back into alignment in a lot of ways. And, and yeah, but, but the answers aren't necessarily in some, you know, you know, I don't know. Yeah. There's, you know, they certainly don't come from an authority figure of any sort. Um, you know, Damn the only straight. authority is really yourself and, and, and how you, how you approach it. And, you know, and I always, I definitely appreciate shows like, uh, well, like uh, behind the schemes and all the, all the freaks of hazard out there that are, you know, keep it an open mind. Right. Cause I think there's a, uh, there are, I think there's many ways to actually get to the truth, but, uh, you know, there's definitely also a lot of ways to obscure the truth. And it seems like those, uh, those people in charge, uh, want to obscure the truth as much as possible. And, 
you know, that's not so great for us. But yeah, no, they say no, no clips for me because I'm sitting out, I'm, I'm out in the forest. Uh, you know, what my, uh, my definition of church is, I guess. Uh, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll hear you, we'll hear you behind the scenes. I love it. Thank you, Phone Boy. You can find uh, Phone Boy and his show, Phone Boy Speaks at PhoneBoy.com. Phone Boy out in the woods, becoming master of his own reality. If you're not supposed to have any authority figures, then what's the television for? Hmm? Hmm. (laughs) Nothing else ain't going to tell you a vision. I can tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) I got rid of my TV back in the year 2000. And a few years ago, I started a Netflix account, and I had it for about a couple of months. And I got rid of it because it just felt like it was TV in my pocket, like in my in my face all the time. Can I say, like, I I think, um, you know, like you said, like people want to obscure the truth as much as possible. What, what is that like? It's not even right. It's not even from the like completely from the government. Like media people too, they want to obscure the truth. Like I did a a Japanese uh show, right? And um, I, I was on this TV show, and they said say something in Japanese, and then they were like, you sound too Japanese. We need you to sound like more like a dumb American. Like what is that? Wow, <laughs> sounds like what a shitty that? producer. <laughs> <laughs> sound more like a foreigner could you yeah that's that's kind of uh it's a little stereotype uh, stereotypical i guess or they're uh, wanting a specific stereotype um I, you know i am curious uh i've definitely caught you guys referring to the media in japan as the legacy media and i'm certainly sold that um that American media is is just a cesspool of infected wounds at this point. Uh, is there any sort of comparison between the two countries and the way they c- converse with the people, I guess? <laughs> I think so. I mean, Japan lies about everything. But yeah, Matt, what do you, what's your take on it? Um, I would say that the alternative media footprint in America is much higher than it is in Japan. Um for the most part, if you're in Japan mm-hmm. and you're Japanese, you can watch the media and it will cater to the needs of Japanese people in mm-hmm. a large way. And there isn't as much um, involvement with um, like you don't see a lot of intelligence officers on 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 Japanese media like mm-hmm. you do on American media. You don't have Anderson Coopers in Japan necessarily where they come from like the richest family ever and went to the CIA training for two years and then became the top um, anchor on CNN. That doesn't happen so much over here. So the in many ways, the legacy media is very strong um, in Japan and the population is also aging. So the most of the segment of the of the media consumption in Japan is, is for older people, 40s, 50s, 60s. There is a, a younger population that's into alternative media, but because their mm. numbers are small, just de facto math means that imprint is a lot smaller. I will say one thing, though, about um, how there's two – there's one situation in America where you had the ivermectin horse paste um, situation. But in Japan, at the at a, at a company that I'm affiliated with, which is one of the major um, publishing houses or, or newspaper companies in the country – they had uh, one of the chief medical doctors um, extol the virtues of ivermectin, and it was put onto the Japanese media uh, for millions of people to see by one of the most trusted news agencies in, in the country. Um, and so when all that horse 
uh, paste stuff came to Japan, there was already a mainstream media footprint that could counteract that mainstream media narrative. So you can have conflicting mainstream media narratives depending on the country that you're in. Um, but if it was just a podcast like the Japan What podcast, and we do believe that most media is um, legacy media in terms of like newspapers and TV and stuff mm. like that, even though mm. it has a very, uh, you know, large um, percentage of the population watching it, to put it politely, right? I'm put, making it polite. Um, the, the fact that it was not so dishonest and so rife with misinformation in Japan meant that maybe there isn't so much of a need for a massive alternative media like there is in the United States. Hmm. Wow. That, yeah, it doesn't, um, I, you know, there's almost a point where the media here just feels vindictive. You know, it's like they're, they're really like, they put all of their effort into gunning into someone, you know, and uh, just spinning the, the craziest and wildest yarns. Cause uh, yeah, Matt, you stated that uh, you're a listener and producer of No Agenda. Both myself and Sir Sir Seat Sitter are. Uh, One twenty, are you? Do you listen to No Agenda? I don't listen to No Agenda. I'm actually more on the uh, production side of media in terms of like uh, multimedia, like uh, video, photography, that kind of things. Matt's kind of put me on about uh, you know podcasting 2.0, and he's teaching me these types of things. But I'm trying to get more involved. And um, I'm just trying to bring a different perspective from from what you may have seen. I love it. I can't wait to see the uh, video version of Japan. What? <laughs> That'll <laughs> that, be lit. Oh, oh, it will. I'm I'm black as fuck, dude. And and, and Matt's just <laughs> Matt's just you know the whitest guy. He's hi, Michael. You know I love it, dude. I have to put away my bow tie before he comes in the door to the studio. You know. I brought one of my buddies in to interview. He he put his hands up. You know, he thought he was. I was like, "Calm down, dude." This, yeah. Next thing you know, he's gonna, using me as a tanning light. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna, yeah. show, he's gonna show up to the studio in Kanye West new mask. <laughs> <laughs> like, where'd you even get a gun, dude? We were in Japan. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so I, I guess uh, there's no equivalent to like a Japanese Alex Jones or. Um, just with the the alternative market being somewhat smaller, I'm sure the there is. Alex it's a Jones. It, it's 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 very decentralized. Like there, we do get media reports um, in in the mainstream about how QAnon was popular with some Japanese fringe society kind of types, and they really liked Michael Flynn. Um, but we don't. I'm not sure if that's just the media taking an example and blowing it up to make it bigger than it yeah. seems. Uh, but it, it I mean, feels I, like it's a lot more decentralized. I don't see a massive counterculture like Japan's a harmonious place. It's not based on conflict like the United States. I saw QAnon flags and and banners during protests everywhere from Taiwan to Ireland to Canada. So it's over seventy yeah, countries, Q- dude. Seventy countries. Yeah. <laughs> Where we go, I, I, we go all. I, I, Trump's going to be reinstated any day now, man. Just wait. two weeks. <laughs> two I, I read weeks. an article that said it's like nine. It's like ninety countries now that are supporting. Oh, okay. I could. I, I, it's quite possible. The one that I was pulling from, I think, was uh, February. It's actually uh, one of the stories. Don't quote me on this. It's actually one of the stories that I this have. This is pulled. so important. We have to do this. Uh, it looked like there was a simultaneous protest in Tokyo at the same time as the January sixth protest. 
and uh, hundreds were out to to deny the results of the 2020 election. Absolutely. Um, there was there was a guy standing outside in front of a uh, Shibuya station and the guy literally had on a Trump mask and he had on a, you know, a sign holding up like the election was a lie. And I, I just took pictures of his face up close. Was he ethnically Japanese? I'm not sure, but he certainly didn't like having his picture taken up close. <laughs> was he the <laughs> how did how did they phrase that fucking Larry uh, Larry Elder Washington Post article? It's oh, a, the new the black the face new of bla- white supremacy. The black face of white supremacy. So, so would, would that, oh, yeah. Do, yeah. Would that I, dude be the maybe, Japanese I, he face had a mask of white on. supremacy? You said he had a mask on in Tokyo. <laughs> right. Sorry. I just you wanted, said he had a mask on in, in Tokyo. He had a mask on while he was there. Yeah, had the had the whole mask on. You know, he was just standing yeah, up on. So, a, he was standing on one of those mini ladders. So I would like. Here's my educated guess. It was Trump himself flew out to Tokyo to protest the results of the election. No, it was definitely a Japanese guy. He was on a ladder, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we all know Trump doesn't like staircases. Come on. <laughs> well, he's better at climbing stairs than Biden. Yeah, I'd say. We know Trump doesn't climb stairs. It's an elevator, people. God. <laughs> no, escalators only. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone let the fucking president or, or, back or, on the or escalator. New York. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, we can't attack a president. <laughs> <laughs> Yet he can attack us. When <laughs> Biden gets up to the stairs and he starts counting them. Fewer. Not more. Fewer. <laughs> Dude, I try understanding that guy. Biden freaks me the hell out. Um, Man, that last that clip, Boober, that clip you just played, the fewer, not more. Yeah, that the video for that is terrifying. Like Biden looks, I almost thought it was like a fake, like deep fake. It looks so weird when he was talking, but then I went and looked at the original source, and it's like, no, Biden actually looks like a terrifying fucking weirdo. Our patience (laughs) is wearing thin. What the fuck is going on? They use the same technology for Tupac on Coachella. Oh, yeah, that's some total blue beam shit, man. That's uh, one of the first things that Sir Sir Seat Sitter and I got together to talk about. Right? uh, Yeah. This three-part episode on blue beam, yeah. Yeah, all of those hologram tours. I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. (laughs) And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. (laughs) (laughs) Is that Popcorn? Is that what his name was? Corn Pop. Corn Corn Pop. Corn Pop was Whoa. a bad dude. Dude, wait a minute. Okay, I'm. I mean, clearly I'm retarded for this. Obviously, I'm an idiot for just making this connection. But I just now realized that Corn Pop is just the reverse of popcorn. Well like as done. soon as you said, "Was that popcorn?" I was like, "Wait a minute, Corn Pop. That's just the reverse of popcorn." Here I am thinking Corn Pop is some badass name, and it's just the opposite of popcorn. And so the question here is whether how. We go ahead and do this. What we do. We choose truth There's no over easy facts. answer. <laughs> There's never There's an no easy, easy way to do it. He's just, he's he's a put walking it bag of cliches that come out wrong every single time. It's <laughs> impossible to understand what he's talking about. It, well, that's it, the pr- yeah. and that's the problem with cliches. Like usually, it, something's a cliche because it rings true because it's lasted over time, and that's why so many people say it. But he's like he you're like, frozen, so he's like the a deer in a, a cliche. Like everything he said is is the opposite of a cliche, almost. Yeah, because yeah, it's like incorrect. Uh, it's like a failed cliche. So basically, just be a fucking idiot. 
Well, that's putting it nicely. That's why they're coming, because no, Biden's a good guy. <laughs> Can I ask you guys a question I love it. About, about Biden? Is, is he really unpopular in general? Because I only see it in the news, and I, I work a lot with the news, and the news feeds that we get where I work are a lot of um, Reuters and AP and things like that, Bloomberg, um, on that side of things. And it's it generally scales positive, but that's news reporting. What about like boots on the ground? Do you still guys, do you guys still see a lot of, of Biden supporters out there? Or is, does everybody kind of like wonder what this I mean, I'm in Tennessee, man. I haven't seen, I've maybe met two Biden supporters in the last four years. Uh, you know, I, I'd say it's, uh, it's not highly, it's not as inflamed as it was probably during November, 2020. Uh, cause I, I live in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. Uh, which is a fairly as, as Trump calls it, Minneapolis. Oh yeah, or the Minneapolis. I, I like the Minneapolis better. But <laughs> nice, uh, nice. but uh, you know, I think um, it's hard to hide the fact that he's he's not there. He is the dusty old shadow of a cardboard cutout man. He he has nice. always been a confidence man his entire life. Uh, I personally feel that that people that really go out on a limb to defend or or even more appropriately prop him up, like it's getting harder and harder for them to deny the fact that this dude's gone. Like, you know, he's getting rushed out of the fucking room or the press is getting rushed out of the room at every opportunity, all opportunities. Um, and, and he's just, you know, the, I, I think uh, the, I think the honeymoon phase is I, over. Yeah, because I'll say like left wing media that is people that encourage people to vote for Joe Biden, even though he was clearly senile. I mean, the left wing media I watch and I'm not talking Jimmy Dore. I'm talking like Kyle Kalinske. I'm talking even the Young Turks who I don't really watch. But, I get, you know, like these types of people like the left, the alt left. You know, not, and I don't mean that in the same way. I mean, alt right. I mean, alt left is an alternative media left. They've known from day one that Joe Biden was like brain dead, but now they're finally not only them, but their audiences are coming to grips with the fact that that is the case. I think uh, the the polls showing how low Joe Biden's approval ratings are are probably under exaggerated. I think most of America. Like, even the people, I know several people that voted for the guy just because they hated Trump so much, and all of them are like, this guy is off the rails. So, it's like, I don't know. It's like the same thing when people voted for Obama. It was like either, you know, Obama or like picking between the shinier of two pieces of shit, you know? Oh, yeah. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they're all, they're all part of the Bush dynasty, in, in my humble opinion. Um, yeah, and- but this this goes beyond that. Like, this is, like, Obama was at least coherent, you know, like even if you followed his policies enough, which a lot of people I know didn't like a lot of people I know are still Obama supporters that are like, man, Joe Biden should not be president. There's a whole nother level when like, even though Obama probably is just as corrupt as Joe Biden is now, the people, these people are realizing that like the corruption aside, because they don't pay attention to shit like this this, because they're morons. They're at least acknowledging like, man, Joe Biden is senile. And that's, I, it's surprising to me that these people have acknowledged this based on who they are. But yeah, so to your point, uh, yeah, I think 
I think everybody in America overall, whether they admit it or not, is aware of how bad this presidency is. Pre-pandemic well, I think, I think, high. <laughs> I think I think we I think we got him in office right, and we were like, okay, we we don't want Trump in office, and then we got Biden in office, and then we said, oh shit, well now we're holding the ball, so now what do we do? Biden's dying, you know. Yeah, I mean it's gonna have to go to uh, Kamala then, Kamala Harris, I, I suppose, it, or uh, they they take her out and they installed Pelosi instead, which. Well, I think the thing to look at is, is is to look at the thing, the the scale of this thing on a on a large scale, and not on the scale of like, well, we don't like the guy in the office right now, so let's let's go to the next best person. I think the thing to look at is like how to fix the economical situation in America, uh, for one, uh, over a long period of time. Not let's get this guy out of office and and fix the immediate problem. I I don't know. I don't know how we're going to rectify the 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 whole shipping container fiasco and the supply lines. Um, we haven't really talked about it too much on the show. It's, it's mostly because I'm fairly ignorant when it comes to things of that nature. But I do know that George Bush way back or junior way back when told yeah, us be, to buy more stuff, you know, like just after nine yeah, 11, like buy more shit. He, and that's he what actually, doing right now. didn't they give out uh, $200 to every American in the Bush presidency for that purpose? I was uh, too young at the time to probably remember that. Well, you're older than me, aren't you? Yeah, but fuck, <laughs> man, I was only like ten. <laughs> it's not like it's not like George Bush Jr. gave me <laughs> two hundred bucks. <laughs> hey, uh, don't don't well, go it, blow it all at the arcade, okay? Well, I like the i I like uh like the, the ice cream meme about Biden. It's like obsessed with ice cream. So I think when when the tax like when the the tariffs and the taxes that Biden is supposedly imposing, but really his handlers are imposing. And these shipment shortages happen. Once the ice cream supply starts hurting Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and people like that, where it lives, you know, that's when we're going to hear the real problems when the ice cream shortage starts and the politicians are going to be like, shit, we got to fix this. Ice cream. Let them eat ice cream. Now, when the Wuhan virus first escaped, um, I did research into the city itself. And the Wuhan itself is like a global central node of supply chains. Nothing, everything in the world that's part of a supply chain goes through Wuhan. Um, It excels in telecommunications, automotive, and pharmaceuticals. They make display panels, memory, optical communications, automobiles, parts, components, biomedicine, and medical devices. The region has four national industrial bases or centers of expertise, including storage, cybersecurity, EVs, connected cars, and aerospace. Half of the Fortune 500 have facilities, operations, or manufacturing sites within Wuhan. And DHL, this is from February 2020, DHL put out a report to expect shipment delays. That's back in 2020. They said tracking and rail cargo services in the province in late February had ground to a halt. Um, so India imports 70% of its active pharmaceutical ingredients from China. And, and of course, Wuhan is a major part of that. Um, so when I'm wondering if like when, when the, when the Chinese government went in and locked down Wuhan, if that set off a, a, a super long chain of dominoes, and the supply chain issues with all these ships in the ports that aren't allowed to get in, I wonder if that's just like somebody kicked a boulder off of a river you know, on top of the mountain, and, and now the river is off in some completely crazy place, and we're 100 miles away from that river at this point in time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's getting ready to flood. 
because yeah. because of the wave making its way down. Yeah, I, I'd or, say that's or just a very the, the kerfuffle. You know, it's a very logical uh, deconstruction of it. Uh, I, I had no idea that so much traveled through Wuhan. That's that's a uh, I'd say that's a little more than synchronistic for sure. I was so angry when I realized that that all of the Fortune 500 companies just put all of the most sensitive technologies in the world inside of a communist dictatorship a thousand miles inland where, where nobody can just go there and that's where everything is and they just released a virus or a virus escaped or whatever and they cut it right away. Where else would you put it? It's not it's like when they eat butt in that alive movie with with the cannibals with the with the with the with the people that have a, a rugby team in a plane crash on a on a mountain in the Alps and then they start eating butt. You, you don't eat butt. Says you, you don't put everything in Wuhan, says me. <laughs> you, you you don't eat you don't eat butt in that butt. <laughs> I mean, everybody's like, no, of course I've eaten at butt. least I'm not bragging, but I've eaten at least twenty butts in my day. <laughs> Have you, I mean, have you either, have either of you ever eaten butt or had your butt eaten? Yes. I just had my butt ate just now. I just ate some butt just now. Ugh. (laughs) I'm actually in the room with Matt here. Wow. It's getting spicy up in here. Crazy Japan. It's just a Japan thing. I'll eat your ass. I will. Nice. I'm not bragging. Nice. I'm not bragging. I'll eat, I'll eat anybody's ass. I'm, I'm not bragging. You pay me enough. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the just the I'd say the the general situation in China is pretty fairly off the rails. Um, and we'll be touching on that a little bit more in the second second half of show, I believe. But uh, I guess what's the general consensus in Japan about uh, China or the I China? Say, I should say the the Communist Party of China specifically. China does it does it really sway one way to the other, or is it uh, like a, kind of like a middle of the road, lukewarm? Well, most of the um, major companies in Japan rely on on China for its production, like Uniqlo, which is a mm-hmm. retailer clothing maker, Toyota. Most most companies rely on China for supply. The Japanese people, by and large, don't trust the Chinese Communist Party because they lie a agree. lot. I would agree. And, I would agree. And it, lying in Japan's big no-no. You're supposed to be honorable. Very, very honorable. Mm. Also, the culture is opposite. So we get a lot of tough talk from politicians saying we got to be tough on China. Meanwhile, um, their business lobbyists are investing more and more money into China. So there's this idea in Japan where you can import or do business with other cultures without having a cultural exchange. It seems different from each other, but the way that the, uh, the CCP is going now is they're attaching their, um, values into their production lines with 5g Huawei, one belt, one road. And I think that they're getting an upper hand on the Japanese side of things, uh, cause the Japanese side of things are very, they're, they're, they're a lot older. They're a lot more conservative and they don't understand a lot of this new technology and how it can supplant their old technology. Just like how you might have a horse stable and have the best horses in the world a hundred years ago. Somebody across the street opens up a taxi company and they're really crappy taxis at first, but 30 years down the road, there's no more horses. Right. And just leaves them in the dust. Yeah. 
So you might have all these values that you that you claim to have, but at the same time, if you invest all your all your economy into a place with very different values that then incorporates those investments into their own values, what are you supposed to do about that? It's not a very good picture. I'm very pessimistic at the moment, actually. I, I, that's a serious like, question, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, the two of you being in Japan, uh, you've been there how long now? I've been here uh, since I've been 2006. Here about- I've been here since 2010. I love it. Okay, oh, it's amazing. So, <laughs> and I've heard that you're like your last three, four episodes, um, and you might have mentioned this on there, but if so, I don't remember. Are you guys allowed to vote in the election? Because I know there's an election either about to happen or already happened. Are you guys citizens? Are you allowed to vote in Japan? I, I know I heard a thing about uh, that where there was some law that was being repealed that was going to allow uh, Gaijin in Japan to be a part of the voting process, provided you, provided you have a, a citizenship here and you're paying your taxes. But that I, that's only something I've heard, and I don't know if it's actually gone through. Matt, do you have any more? Uh, I think you're right on, on the money there, 120. Um, I know I had on one a very early episode of the podcast, there's a handful mm. of um, councilmen counselors that are foreigners that are elected into Japan. One of those name is John Hess, who's a Canadian who, uh, who, who's, who's a local politician in the Tsukuba area near Tokyo, which focuses a lot on technology. It's very, very not, I would say there's 2 million people out of a population of 120 million people that are registered as foreigners in Japan, but 1.5 million or more are like Koreans and, and uh, Japanese or sorry, Chinese. And the Koreans were brought in, from Korea post World War II, so they're seen as being able to vote. So they're like, um, they have some terminology I can't recall off the top of my head right now, even though I should be able to. Um, but for like Michael and I to be able to vote, even on a, on a local election, we would have to. We just can't go down to the driver's license place and get a driver's license from a from a Democrat and then go vote right. in the federal election. <laughs> we, like the, the, it's very strict, and unless we really buckle down and focus on citizenship, we might be able to vote in a local election ten years down the road. Whoa! So what you're saying is Japan is far more racist than the United States when it comes to voting laws. Oh, absolutely! Japan is one of the most <laughs> racist countries in the world. <laughs> It's just a little less racist than America. Well, I've, seen, that's the whole, I've seen Dragon Ball. <laughs> like, yeah. we just let anybody vote. Yeah, you've seen Mr. Popo. Ten- yeah. Dude, they didn't ask for my ID when I voted in Tennessee. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but that, that whole idea that if, if America is – if people think that America is a racist place, that's a, it's a very diverse place, people that say that de facto – include like all of China, all of Japan, all of Cambodia as like a hundred times more racists than America. So then all of these people, billions and billions of people are worse racists and than America in the way that they're framing the argument. And I don't choose to look at the world like that. It sounds like a very pessimistic outlook, you know, even though I just said mm-hmm. I'm a pessimist I'm pessimist about things, but not about people. Yeah. Agreed. Well, I, uh, we we don't have to spend all night uh, on politics unless you guys want to hash it out. Uh, I, I do want to say I had the pleasure of going to Japan about two and a half, three years ago. Um, I was there for two weeks and uh, actually started off that trip in Shinjuku, which I didn't realize until we got there. <laughs> but it was the red light district. Awesome. That's uh, awesome. Uh, 
Do you guys ever awesome. do you guys ever visit the Golden Guy? I used to work in the red light district, man. I love it. Uh, uh, Golden Guy is this, uh, it's a really unique place. It's uh, I forget how many bars are situated in this uh, couple block radius, but I mean, they are jammed in there back to back to it's back. Like, it's like two or yeah. three hundred. Wow. It's it's yeah. It's a it's a shitload of and it has like a it's like a little it's a maze almost, you know, you can go in. It's like a little bar and it seats like three or four people and there's rock playing. And there's like four Americans in the back. Love it. Yeah, there was a there was a punk uh, punk bar down in that uh, that area, which I was a, a super big fan of. Um, but yeah, I you know, I, I thought was that rock rock bar mother. Uh, I could maybe go back through my photos to see, um, or uh, oh, we got time. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, let me hop on the on the face bag. <laughs> Japan. What? Nice. <laughs> What's a, I am curious. What 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 got y'all to stay in Japan? That's exactly what I was about to ask. Yeah, what brought you guys there? Uh, I'll start off. Uh, so I got uh, to Japan basically for the first time in the military. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps, and uh, I went to tech school in California, finished up my uh, training, and they said, you're going to Okinawa, and I said, what the fuck is that? And then (laughs) here I am in Tokyo now. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot better than Georgia. You know, there's no one trying to kill me. Uh, My door is unlocked right now on accident, but I'm not worried about someone coming in here and rape me. You know, I'm Uh, I'm not that bad. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I've been to Georgia. Maybe I just haven't been to this part of Georgia, but what part of Georgia are you in where you're worried about people trying to kill you? Because I really don't want to go there, but I just really don't want to know where that is. Dude, the reason why I joined the Marine Corps is because a guy put a gun in my face on a college campus. Jesus. Over a girl, like, you know, so. Oh, well, that explains it. Yeah. People do anything for pussy. (laughs) uh, That's crazy, though, man. Like, I've I've been, like, pretty, I mean, I've I've walked past the CNN headquarters in Atlanta and never thought, like, anything. Well, that's the thing, right? You, but that's the thing. You walk past the CNN headquarters in Atlanta. What about in the places where there isn't, like, a police officer every mile, you know? What about the places where, you know, it's just an old country place and, you know, everyone knows everyone. You probably fucked around with one of your cousins in high school. <laughs> like, what about that kind of place, you know? <laughs> so you're talking yeah. about Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, that kind of place. I, that's the kind of I've place I'm from, Memphis. you know. So. I've been all over Tennessee. Memphis is the one place where I, like, didn't feel safe at all. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of place. Like, my dog, my brother apparently, like, shot his dog in the head. He had a pit bull. You know, like, Ooh, how does that just happen? Good. You know, and the, yeah, how does that just happen? You know, and, and, and like no one no one skips a beat. You know, that's the kind of place where I'm from. So, yeah, definitely Tokyo feels like I'm living in the future, man. Damn. How uh, how often before, I guess, uh, the pandemic, were you guys able to uh, travel back? Uh, d- did you travel back often or have you spent most of your time there? I spent most of my time in, in Japan or traveling around the world. I'm from Canada. I came over here in 2006 just to teach English and pay off student loans and eventually found a wife and live here and make a family. It's great. And I used to travel. We used to travel quite a lot. Uh, it, uh, in Tokyo, it's it's a portal to the rest of the world. You can just get on a train, go down to Tokyo Narita Airport or Haneda Airport, and you got dozens and dozens and dozens of countries at your fingertips. So we were going around a lot and... Uh, 
it's really easy to travel from Japan because everybody trusts Japan. So there's not a lot of restrictions on Japan or Japanese people. Mm. The mm. yen is pretty strong. So you can go anywhere, especially in Asia. If you feel like a rich man just from teaching English for a few hours. You're a millionaire in a lot of places. Right. Uh, so yeah, it was great before the pandemic uh, basically uh, ruined everything, took everything away from us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't traveled back at all since I uh, got here. I traveled back once in uh, like 2000. No, I, I lied. I traveled back once in 2018, I believe. And after that, I haven't been able to go back. It's just it just doesn't make sense. For sure. Yeah, tons, tons and tons and tons of uh, new protocols. And I've traveled a ton in my life. And I just I fucking hate everything about the TSA. I, I know it's not quite the same in uh, various countries. Uh, Australia was fairly lax when um, I was able to tour through there. You didn't have to take your shit. Yeah, unless off you're bringing fruit over. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not even that. It's now now when you leave Japan, right, you travel somewhere, that has become a, a very expensive thing. Um, my uh, stepfather, my father-in-law, he spent like over $5,000 traveling upstate to New York. Uh, you got to think about. You got to pay for the PCR test, or if you mm. haven't had the shot, you got to go have that done. You got to have the test done when you get to the states. You know, you need one. You need so you need one to leave, I believe. You need one to get to America, and you need one. You got to show that in America. When you come back to Japan, you need another one. You have to stay in a hotel or something for two weeks, uh, and also there's the cost of the flight, and there's the cost of you know everyday things when you get to where you're going and not working in Japan for two weeks as well. So it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. You lose a lot more than, than just what you spend on the flight and transportation and more room. That's so fucking nuts. I, I just, it's bizarre. I, I mean, what's the, I know y'all have kind of touched on it before. Um, I mean, what's, what's the, I guess the the temperature with COVID and in public relations, or um, uh, how, how, how are you guys anywhere near opening? I mean, um, I think we're near opening. Um, we just had an election. Uh, not to talk about politics, but the the new administration seems to be um, pushing towards economic revitalization. Um, but there needs to, but they're all, they're all in on, on the COVID thing. Um, I, I was never much of a, like a scared of COVID person. And I was never much like of a scared of a vaccine person. I think both sides are rather overblown. Um, I don't really know a lot of people who've had it or have died from it. And I don't see people dying in the streets from either COVID or the vaccine. So mm-hmm. I know people who've had negative adverse reactions from, from the vaccine, but they're still alive and they're fine after a few days. So I'm not sure how this is going to work, but the the government seems to be pushing the, the digital passport, but we're not sure if it's going to actually roll out because that requires the participation of the people. And Japanese public are kind of fickle where if it's easy and it's convenient and it's pleasant, then a lot of people will do it. But if there's a lot of rigmarole for steps and stuff like that that don't seem necessary Japanese people don't want anything to do with that yeah so uh, well it's it's really hard to say Um, I hope that um, the the vaccine passport rolls back (laughs) that's what I'm waiting for yeah I will say that the climate 
Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, I was going to say the climate. I think the climate climate has definitely it's a definitely a climate of people are kind of tired of it, you know, and because uh, they've told us so many times, you know, we're going on lockdown. OK, lockdown's off. OK, we're going on lockdown again. And now and we're just stuck in between this, you know, cycle of this state of limbo of being in lockdown and not. And I think now people just really, really don't care. Uh, that's the air I get. I'm out mm-hmm. on the scene a lot. You know, Matt's more in the office working. And and on the scene, I see just like the people don't care. The older generation definitely cares. But, you know, our age, they don't really care. Yeah, I think people are over it worldwide. Like even if they're not out in the streets protesting, they're kind of tired of it. But Matt, uh, Matt, that's a good point. I think you made that I really haven't heard enough that you just said is not like just to kind of break it down on both sides. I'm not seeing people die in the streets of covid and I'm not seeing people die in the streets from the vaccine. And uh, I think that's overall, like, actually true. Like, out, while there are super horrible outliers, and I'm aware of some that have even been in my life that are vaccine damaged, like, the overall, like, people are a little too scared of this vaccine, and people are a little too scared, of, way too scared of COVID. Um, but, yeah, it's, I, I think I haven't, until you said that, heard anybody put it in that way, and I think that's a good way to put it that is non-divisive and probably a, yeah it's a nice uh, middle path yeah in a good way yeah because like this you're right there's like the the divisiveness on both sides of this thing pro-vax anti-vax scared of covid not scared of covid i think it's there's people that are way too scared of covid and people that are way too scared of the vaccine but i would argue just to counter myself here is People have a right to be scared of the mandates and what that oh, yeah. implies. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm, yeah. The mm, QR code is no good. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've I definitely feel that's kind of what. Um, even if it wasn't rolled out, the the just COVID and the vaccines and everything, even if it wasn't rolled out specifically for the passports, it sure as shit became real convenient to start testing out that, and. I think that's exactly what it is. Like, it's just kind of testing the waters to see how far the general public being general public worldwide can, can be hypnotized and pushed into, it's like, Oh, I think it was in, even Australia. We are like, well, you're not going to have to worry about your vaccination cards. Cause by that time it's going to be booster cards. And fucking Israel is saying that if you don't have your third shot, you're not considered fully vaccinated. And, that's that whole rigmarole that, that you guys are talk, talking about. And then all of a sudden, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, uh, but it becomes this thing where you're subscribing to healthcare to participate in society. It's like where it becomes yeah. the norm, you know, it's like, oh, do you have your fucking iPhone charger? Also, do you have your vaccine passport? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm scared it's going to become the norm, you know? Yeah, it doesn't can, put healthcare in your pocket. It puts a, a medical bureaucracy in your pocket. It puts the government time. in your pocket, it man. It puts a medical bureaucracy inside of your body. And this is something that Mo was discussing with us last week. It's it's not a, a matter of discussion between uh, pro-vaxxers and anti-vaxxers because there are yeah. anti-vaxxers that have had to take the shot in order to maintain some sort of stability for their family. Malachi, mm. the guy that, uh, one of the two guys I started the show out with, he was in that boat. He, like myself, is from the entertainment industry and in the entertainment industry in the States across the board, if you want to play, 
you're going to have to take the shot. And it's been it's been the same for me. I had to take the shot in order to continue doing what I do. But you wouldn't consider yourself an anti-vaxxer, though. I would consider myself neutral about it, you know, because it's very hard to know the truth. As you said before, like we're searching for the truth, but it's it's hard to know what to believe and what not to believe, you know. And I think a lot of that truth gets obfuscated. That's a fucking hard word. Um, It just gets kind of buried. Like uh, Dean Reiner, he does a show called Up Is Down. And he had a really phenomenal interview. And, you know, like Sir Sir Seat Sitter said, this is kind of an outlier, more extreme event. But, um, you know, this is a a guy that took the shots. Not, I think it was Moderna, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he had no opinions in any direction. He just, you know, it seemed like a convenient time to go and do it. And he did it. And uh, after his, Chris, do you remember if it was his first or second shot? I probably stepped away, but um, regardless, you know, he ended up having a, a really hardcore neurological reaction to it where he is experiencing extreme levels of vertigo to the point where there's days that he can't function. Uh, first shot. Thank you, Servo. And, you know, I, I, I fully admit and see. Sorry, that- I'm. Oh, you're good. I'm, I'm off and on on baby duty over here with the newborn. But yeah, it was his first shot, I believe. Um. But, you know, the, the fact of it is that doctors are saying, no, there's no possible way that these two events are related. And that's in so many different scenarios where, like, you know, people don't want to admit that not all medication is not meant for all people. You know, it's not a one size shoe fits all. It's just right. not. Or, or, or the person that dies while skydiving tests positive for COVID and that person died from COVID. But the person right. who had a shot and then got really, really sick the next day, totally unrelated. You can't even bring it up. Why would you even do that? Right. And I, I believe they are. If you die within t- less than two weeks of your second shot, you count as an unvaccinated death. Same with that, getting hospitalized within two weeks of a, your second shot. Yeah, it's um, very convenient. That's because, very, very convenient. because you're not technically fully vaccinated until two weeks after the second shot. Now, I don't, where boosters that, take this on that avenue, I don't know, but it, the it's it's very suspect the way this is all working out. In the terminology of fully vaccinated, it's very it's it sounds like corporate advertiser speak. Um, like right, how Subway right. has it's the taste of fresh. It's not fresh. Yeah, <laughs> it's the taste of fresh. So it's you're not. When are we going to get a Jared? Is, is Fauci, does that mean Fauci's the new Fauci's Jared Fogel? Jared. That's right. right. Gonna have, he has a, gonna, a, a bunch of kids in his car. Uh, have to go to Fauci for approval. But yeah, so fully vaccinated means that the terminology is very loose. So, so it's, a, it's a very scientific event that we're talking about here. Vaccines, trust the science, trust the science. But then the terminology we're given as the public is fully vaccinated, which is which can be changed at any time, anywhere, any by anybody. Um, they could so, suddenly require a fourth shot. Yeah, now that is term- technically fully vaccinated. So that type of vocabulary usage um, make, makes me suspect. And there was this documentary I watched six, seven years ago, and it featured um, a, uh, a checklist of a Czech um, social constructivist who was hired by Russia to create anti-Russian propaganda, pro-Russian propaganda, and I don't care about Russia propaganda in Russia. 
And all of these groups started formulating around this idea. Then all these groups went to meet one day, uh, like thousands of people to, to protest each other. But then this social constructivist guy was there and he said, I made it all up. You just believed me. And that made everybody just give up all of their, all of their hope or not all their hope, but just, it just made everybody completely cynical. Um, and so that's what I want to avoid with, with this COVID thing, with either being anti or pro anything. I, I'm very suspect of the information flows. Mm, that's a, that's another stellar Mo facts point of, uh, point of view. It's, um, being pigeonholed into binary thinking. You're either this or you're either that. You're either red or you're blue. You're Coke or you're Pepsi or, you know, so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. I had somebody call me a conspiracy theorist the other day who works in the medical industry because I said, I want to know what the PCR um, uh, threshold uh, cycle is set at in Japan. I said that, mm. literally that. I was asking about a. Uh, something on a machine. And he's like, now I know how far down the rabbit hole of conspiracies you've gone Bigelow. I'm like, okay, because I want to know something on a machine. That's crazy, dude. (laughs) Wow. Like sue me, man. Keep it all secret. (laughs) Oh, how it works using magic. (laughs) How are conspiracy theorists viewed in, in Japan? Uh, They're not as hated. Um, There's not a lot of them for one thing. So, you can have your own opinions about things and people don't generally care. But when you try to push them mm. on other people, that's when people start caring in Japan. So the Japan has just as much freedom of speech as America does because America made Japan's constitution in large part after the second world war. Mm-hmm. So Japan is one of the freest places on the planet in terms of first amendment rights to the point where the police will often not stop, <coughs> excuse me, um, magazines from selling stores with 12 year olds in bikinis in them. Mm, mm, mm. I've actually been at a shoot <coughs> shooting a 12 year old in a bikini for a Japanese magazine. So he is right. Fascinating stuff. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'd love to go back. I, I really want to. Um, and even, uh, uh, mama Berry hanging out in the chats. She was stationed in Okinawa as well. Mm. Uh, back in the eighties, um, I'd love to get back to Kyoto, uh, Akihabara. And there's just, there's so for, for the Island, it's just, it seems like there's nonstop, just beautiful sites, uh, mostly friendly people. You know, there was, there's not really any moment where we were, you know, total, total tourist assholes and couldn't find our way. Um, and even people that weren't uh, interested in sort of conversating with us, it was just a polite hands up, you know, and kept walking. Um, it was really cool. It's uh, It was a very clean time, and probably the <laughs> my favorite part was being able to uh, get beer out of a vending machine. I find that quite convenient. It's, hmm, I'd rather just go to Combini, man. Get me drunk faster. Is that a, all you can drink? Uh, no, 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 just the just the just the convenience store. You know, there, there, you know, there are all, are places that do that, like the izakayas. You know, all you can drink for oh, okay. like three thousand yen or something for two hours. But you know, I just go to convenience store, man. It's cheaper and they're open twenty four seven. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you, Servo. I didn't uh, I didn't clear that. The Konbini is a convenience store in Japanese. Lots of Seven Elevens there. <laughs> They literally did copy and paste our constitution. That's some. Uh, that's some. That's some really great 
Great stuff. Uh, how? Well, okay. So on this show, we like to do an intermission. Um, usually we kind of buffer that with some more screen mails. Um, so I could hit you guys with a screen mail, and we can take our intermission. And then uh, I got to... I got some second half of show material I'd love to get into with y'all and get your opinions on. Sounds good. Sorry, I had a, a JCD moment there, coughing into the mic. I'm, I'm better now, though. Oh, that's, uh, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you made JCD it. JCD has been coughing a lot. I'm trying to... I hope he's okay. It's COVID conspiracy theory 2021. <laughs> oh, you know what? There, I didn't... I had one other question. Because I saw what you had posted in the chats. What's up with Japan's hard on against marijuana? All right, I'm going to go downstairs and grab a cigarette, and I'm going to come back and, and speak on that. Matt, you can you can take the first half of this answer. I got a lot of shit to say about that. Yeah, in Japan, most people think it just makes you lazy. Um, a lot of the I mentioned about the American Constitution writing the Japanese Constitution after World War II in large part, and a lot of that propaganda flowed into Japan and exists in the same manner these days. So, quote-unquote, reefer madness. Yeah, it's like a reefer madness type of thing. And it's seen as like a crazy person's drug. It's seen as a loner thing. People do get arrested for smoking it or growing it. And if you go out to certain areas in Japan, they allegedly do have it. But it, it doesn't interfere. It doesn't... It doesn't jive well with the culture here uh, in terms of mainstream. Like, we, we can drink out in public, as, as 120 was saying, to the point where I can go into a convenience store, buy a bottle of whiskey, and drink it out front of the police station, and no one's going to say yeah. a thing. And, and, and be passed out ass really? drunk in the middle of the street. Yeah. Oh, I would get arrested if I did that anywhere near here. <laughs> yeah. No. Dude, you can literally ride the train until you're sober. I, no one's going to bother you. <laughs> I walk police. I walk by police officers all the time with like an open container. They don't say anything ever. I've been here since two thousand six. Uh, on the okay. uh, on the uh, I have a question about thing. that. Then, oh, sorry, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say on the weed thing. I I think it's totally the uh, the giant uh, tobacco companies. They have a word here for those uh, companies like Zaibatsu, and Zaibatsu is basically a super powerful Japanese uh, family that is a corporation. Much like Honda, uh, Suzuki, those are all Zaibatsus, right? And these these companies have a huge control over Japan. And even though they're uh, making Japan a, a less smoke-filled country, I definitely think the idea is totally around controlling it and taxing uh, tobacco and the fact that tobacco companies have a lot of money invested. And um, they just generally look at it as the same as like hard drugs. Uh, you, there's actually a fact that uh, Shinzo Abe's wife actually supported uh, the use of medical marijuana, and um, it was totally bottlenecked, and they completely made it out to be evil. Uh, so, it, yeah, their stance on it is really hardline about any kind of drug. Yeah, so if it's accepted, you can do it anytime you want. As soon as it's not accepted, it's demonized. That's kind of a, it's it's a binary do, society in do, many ways. Do you think part of that has to do with post-World War II stuff, where, same with our pornography laws, like, remnants of our weed laws and pornography laws kind of overshadow Japan where Japan still has all the dicks and badges blurred out in porn. Is it the same thing with weed where it's like, okay, Japan, 
no matter what crazy shit they're doing, they're still not allowing weed because America kind of was had their boot on Japan for a little while after World War Two. Is that out of yeah, line to like say? Those, or is, it's like those studies you hear about saying where it's like one person goes into a room and starts standing up, and then by the time that person leaves, the new people coming into the room automatically start standing up. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Didn't you do yeah. that with uh, uh, Gordo? Gordo. Yeah, <laughs> Gordo from those conspiracy guys was just on my show, Abs in a Six-Pack, and we he went through, he broke that whole thing down. I think there there is like a part of J- Japanese culture where their um, lack of, uh, how, do I, how would I phrase this? Their individuality. I, Kind of, yeah, more their conservatism, their conservatism yeah. rule follow. I don't think it's, uh, it, I don't think it's has, that. has been dictated think, by, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, th- I, I was anyway. going to say, I don't think it's that. I think it's, I think it's the culture, right? When, when, when Japanese people decide, they have decided. That's it. That's the decision. They'll deliberate on it for years. But once they have decided, getting them to go back on that decision is is it. So I think it's more about the culture of wanting to be perfect, you know, wanting to have everything look good. We didn't make a mistake. America made a mistake. And that's why we won't legalize weed. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah, but didn't they outlaw it because of America? <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. No, definitely, because that was in our yeah. our constitution, right? Like, you know, marijuana was a was a was a, a drug. So it's it's totally the reason why they copied our constitution and now it's okay but japan is very slow to change yeah uh but before we uh well yeah this this leads us into something i wanted to bring up after the during the second half of show i know we're about to take a break but uh i i uh if if it works out you how fluent are you guys in japanese because i wanted you to translate an anime i was watching today I don't really watch anime, even though I like anime. So 120, I think, is a huge anime fan. I think he's going to be I watch so much anime. Sorry, what was the question? I, I couldn't hear you. Oh, uh, uh, just basically, how fluent are you guys in Japanese, like when you talk to a Japanese person? Mm, I can speak it good enough to get like a, a job. I can speak it. You know, I can speak it good enough to like casually converse with people. But when it comes Perfect. to uh, all right, I'm the second language, Kago, Kago is like business level Japanese. That's a little bit harder because it's more about the when you say things and how you say things. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I, I so, watched an anime today in preparation to be culturally informed about Japan. And I, I pulled a couple clips that maybe in the second half of show at some point you guys can translate for me because there was no dub. There was no, you know, subtitles. We can try. All right. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, there, there was one thing that I had missed before we hit this voicemail. Uh, y'all do a segment on your show called Stupid Gaijin. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I would like to yeah. make a, a, a submission here live on the show, if it's possible. Absolutely. Always welcome. Let's do it. Uh, it's, it's a little on the older side. It's about three years old. But how can you turn this headline down? Clown-themed Iron Maiden tribute band singer arrested after $7 million drugs bust in Japan. Tokyo Airport. What? <laughs> Sounds about right. Daniel Burton Whitmore, a.k.a. Dixie Deanna, was arrested for smuggling $7 million worth of cocaine or 9.8 kilograms into Narita International Airport. Uh, he was the lead singer of Power Clown, a band that played covers of Maiden dressed as clowns. Neat. 
The go-go powder was stashed in fake bottoms of guitar cases and multiple tea canisters, and apparently he was sweating so profusely it alerted customs as he made his way in from Vancouver. Coupled with a heavier-than-usual guitar case, it prompted customs to scan everything with (laughs) x-rays. Nice one, bro. Nice one. (laughs) It was the sweat. Yeah, it was like your clown makeup's running or something. Dude. That's a that's a wonderful contribution to the stupid gaijin of the week. I very much I appreciate love that. that. And uh, I love that one. That really does have everything. Love that jingle. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hell yeah! I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad y'all appreciate it. And uh, we've been teasing this voicemail for so long, we should just do it. I love that. That's my favorite scream. Sounds like he was riding the fear train all aboard, baby. (laughs) The fear train was riding him. God. That was was from a dark place. (laughs) Yeah. He was there when that was recorded. He was, <laughs> oh my God! Will you ride the fear train, or the fear train ride you? <laughs> Find out on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect! Thank you, caller. We appreciate that. If you want to get in on this action, it's the the easiest way to produce this show. You can call six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. And for tonight's intermission, uh, we actually have a little bit of a special treat because both 120 and Matt Bigelow, I was able to get songs from you guys that are going to be featured in intermission. How cool is that? Oh, awesome. Listen up. Yeah, we got uh, first up is is uh, uh, 120's Tora Tora. And then the track that's featured in the middle of, of the segment is Borneo by uh, Matt Bigelow there. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I did all of the tracking, recording, performance, uh, writing for Borneo all myself, and it's all done with real instruments. Love it. Real instruments. Um, And be sure to send me the links. I think I've got a kind of a rough idea of where to find them. I think 120 I linked to the YouTube video, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's it. Um, but you can find it on Spotify or uh, any streaming platform as well. Hell yeah! I'll uh, drop the link in the chat here. And uh, uh, Matt, you have a SoundCloud as well. We can feature that in our show notes. Um, and Matt actually has uh, tri- trilingual translations of his songs, which I thought was uh, fairly fascinating. It's cool to to hear it jump between what was it, uh, English, Japanese, and French? Yeah, that's right. I did an album uh, in 2015, uh, kind of a tri trilingual experimental um, album with a lot of uh, professional musicians here in Tokyo. Very cool. Very cool. We awesome. definitely, we definitely got to talk about Ablecraft real quick. It works quick. out because I'm trisexual. <laughs> you can take it in three holes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I take it from three genders. I think, I don't know how that would work. I said it before. Nice. I spoke before oh, I thought. Only, I don't know three, how would work. only three genders. You bigot. Yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> really? Yeah, LBGTQFG, man. I'm gonna take every, everything away from A, you. A B C D E F G. 
let's start this shit. This is going to be cool. Like I said, we're starting off with Tora Tora by 120 and then featuring Borneo by Matt Bigelow. We got to get the tape in. So the green room, you know, we got a TV, got the VCR. It's pretty retro. Is that funny? It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. I think it's funny. Tonight. Uh, let's talk about this because this is fascinating. I remember very clearly, I think anybody who was alive at the time does. I remember my parents waking me up and we went down and we watched you guys land on the moon. No, which you was, didn't. No, you didn't. What? Because uh, uh, there wasn't any television. There wasn't anybody taking a picture. You watched animation. So you associated what you saw with. I have very hazy memories. And one more makes seven. 
You are certainly on the ball today, Captain Ginyu. If you were a dog, I'd scratch your belly. If you were a cat, I'd give you warm milk until you started to purr. But since you're neither of these, I'll just say thanks for a job well done. It was my pleasure. You know how much I enjoy serving your horned highness. Having these balls makes me feel something that resembles joy, I think. I want to caress them. Uh, Colonel, I'm trying to sneak around, but I'm dummy thick, and the clap of my ass cheeks keeps alerting the guards. The official language of the Russian Federation is? Very difficult. Correct. What was the result of the last election carried out here in Russia? Joe Biden. Duh. What is Russia's biggest export? Spies. What is Russia's biggest import? Sovereign states. Duh. What is the most dangerous job in whole of Russia? Opposition party leader. Duh. How many nuclear warheads does Russia possess? I don't know. I don't know. That's right. You don't know. Why was the USSR dissolved? Uh, because that US in the title. Duh. What odorless, colorless, tasteless drink is Russia famous for? Novichok. Correct. Yuri Gagarin was the first man in space. But sorry, is that a, that a question? question? No, it was a statement. And the final question, gentlemen. Would you like a vodka? Oh, it's like 7.30 in yes. the morning. Correct! Yes, yes. Welcome to Russia, gentlemen! Your intellect is as weak as your dollar. Failure is your destiny. You disrespect yourself and your nation. You are made of stupid. Yourself, if you didn't give a dog a bone, I got a macro lens on my camera. I'm going to bone You got a lot of power, you better take a shower. Add three gears together, slice some magic, and you find yourself with a motor. I got a macro lens on my camera. I'm not a boy, oh, 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 Simpleton, responsible citizen, hammers for the party that flies the local denizens. I got a macro lens on my camera. I'm on a bonio, bonio. She was rolling tight saffron, a big bow, all along. Made a suicide bomb And it's bigger than mother freaking Hong Kong oh. 
Hangs there. The tour is like a boy Nick Amazon instead. But all I want to see are the chickens pecking in the gardens and log cabins near the oceans. Oh, On a mission, nuclear co-vision, stupefy the minds that make all of our scientific decisions. I got a macro lens on my camera. I'm on a Borneo, Borneo. Gotta study Kanji to impress the Joshi. I can ride tree and car, so set me up a glass of whiskey. I got a macro lens on my camera. Someone to the wrong place. Now what are you doing? <laughs> you fool! I am the evil Piccolo, and you made the mistake of sending me to the upper world. Evil! Yes! <laughs> evil! <laughs> Where am I? Here I am, right here in Memphis. Let me tell you, man. Let me tell you about rock and roll. People say, Mojo, what kind of songs are you going to put on your new album? They say, Mojo, what kind of songs are you going to put on your new album? I'm going to put the song on my album that's going to make the 15-year-old kid run away. He's going to hear the song. He's going to be sitting in his basement. It might be a sheep, might be a he, might be a dog, might be a furry animal or something. They're going to sit in the basement, they put the record on, they hear the song, they go, shut down! That is rock and roll. That is music. It's talking to my soul. It's talking to my brain. making me do the lower body gyrations. So when I was a little kid, my favorite song was Sweet Soul Music by Arthur Conner. I heard that song and it like transformed my life. Every time, even now, when I hear that song, I'm like sitting there in my car, I'm riding down the road, I hear them horns. The first you might think it's horrible, man, but no, it's Arthur Conley going, Do you like good music? Yeah, yeah. And you, I'm, I'm instantly, Insto Zen is what I call this. Insto Soul Zen. You hear the song and it's just like, Hi-ya! Your whole body goes, Hi-ya! Explodes into a giant hunger of love. So that's like completely missing from music today, a bunch of droning, whining, pseudo-serious, edge-ridden dolts, you know, up there going, you know, I'm so serious about my craft, your craft, eat cheese whiz, your fun, get rock and roll, son, I mean, that's, you know, I don't know what the hell's going on here, I don't know, what, at some point, rock and roll, you know, became rock, then it became big business, and, and now it's just, um, it's some ugly marketing strategy thing. And my job on the planet, you know, everybody's brought here for a certain reason. You know, I had a dog that was brought here to embarrass my mom by scraping his butt across the carpet right when real high-toned neighbors came over. That was that dog's job. My job, I've been put here on the planet to stir up some shit. 
to get some rock and roll going, to be the fly in the ointment, to be the, the cheese whiz and the caviar of life is what I am. You know, and, and what we need is just a, a little rebel rouse, a little fun. People say, oh, Mojo, you can't say that. Why can't I say that? Who's going to stop me? God going to come down and press his ugly thumb upon my head? No. A bunch of blue-haired ladies, friends of George Bush's wife, going to come mess with me? No. I can do anything I want. I'm a free man. This is America. I'm free, drunk, and horny, and I'm going to do what I want to do, have some fun, and you can't stop me, you knuckleheads. We now return to Behind the Scenes. Starring Booberry, 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 and Lavish. Lavish, 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 Lavish. Welcome. Where the back. hell's Lavish? <laughs> You're wearing his face, man. Flashes! <laughs> Japan. What? <laughs> what the <Wow>. fuck? <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Amazing. <laughs> I feel. I feel. I feel. I feel violated somehow. You know. <laughs> I think the only. Uh, I I got that uh, the Dragon Ball bumper, uh, and then did I do the second one? Oh, I got this one too. <laughs> I've seen that shit live. It's pretty intense. intense. (laughs) I love it. Dude, some of the shit that goes on in Japan is off the rails and absolutely ridiculous. So if Boobery, you were okay with it, I would like to present three clips here. Oh, let's stand by for a second because I did get word that uh, I think Matt's still here. Are you still with us, Matt? No, I think Matt took off. I think he had... uh something uh, i think he's got a date or something yes okay i just wanted to confirm i didn't know if uh, if he was still on the call but i definitely want to send a uh, sincere gratitude to him for uh, joining us and uh, we hope to have him back on soon um i will pass on your blessings to matt hell yes um and sorry chris you can i'll give it to you here in 2 seconds but uh two during- in the chat for matt matt's a good guy pew pew um, I didn't mean that kind of too, but yeah, <laughs> there was actually a, I was thinking about it during the, um, the intermission, but, uh, on the Japan, what podcast, uh, be sure to, to listen out for one twenties camera tips of the week, which is a super fascinating segment. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, have a, I'm a professional photographer and videographer and, uh, I'll, I'll be giving out like little tips on what you can, what you can do to Im- immediately improve your camera game. One of the one of the ones that really caught my attention was the using smaller SD cards, so you don't uh, you don't land in that that uh, potential to lose a shit ton. You can just lose yeah. a ton instead of a shit ton of material. Yeah, yeah I just got a, a big ass uh, hard drive actually, and then it crashed on me, so I lost like two terabytes worth of stuff. So yeah, definitely worth having a smaller, faster hard drive to use and just keeping your shit stream. No doubt. No doubt. Um, all righty, sir, sir, seat sitter. What, uh, what do you have for some second, second <laughs> half of uh, show material? <laughs> yeah, just this will probably this within. There's three clips. Probably by the second clip, we will decide that this is not worth the r- trouble. But let's go ahead and go through it anyways. Since since uh, the Japan what guys, even though there's only half of them here now, can. Sp- at least understand Japanese. I went and did my research, did some cultural background, and I thought I'm going to watch some Japanese content 
and pull a clip. And I watched the full 22, 23 minute episode of this anime. I, it, it was not dubbed. It did not have subtitles, but I think I understood most of the plot without that. And pause it anytime you want to translate this. Uh, here we go. Okay, can you pause it real quick? Yeah, what are they saying? So that was that was something along the lines of there's one or two words I don't know, but ID is like they're they're like, oh hello, hey, hey friend, Ayano, and they're kind of like, oh, what are the two of you doing this doing on the street? Oh, I'm doing something on this street too. Oh, me too. That's uh, and then the other girl's like, oh, okay, well, I wanted to do the same thing with you guys, but too bad. And one of the girls says, no, no, you can't. This is our really sweet date on this street, and that's that's where I got so far. I missed a few words, right. but that's kind of the gist of it. All right, great. All right, here we go. So pause it real quick. That's saying, uh, Ayano, like this is like kind of rare for you to be on the street. And she says, yeah, usually I'm sleeping at home. But today, like he called me on the phone and I came out. No shit. Okay. All right. Okay. I did not expect that to be the translation from what I was watching at the time. <laughs> so real, pause real quick I don't yeah. know it's, mind you I don't know which character is which but this is something about oh you're going home uh, with this person and they're saying well I, but I kind of hate that person so I'm very surprised that you guys are going home together okay I, this next clip I, I right when you said stop was the end of that clip this next clip might be like 20 30 seconds skipped ahead but here's the next okay. of the two this is the second out of the three clips here okay pause that real quick he guided he guided they're saying like something about like like i'm like carefreely putting something on top of these pajamas. Kind of, <laughs> I don't. Is there pajamas involved in this now, dude? Uh, okay, let me finish out this second clip and then I'll kind of yeah, explain yeah, yeah. what's going on in the scene. So what's basically happening, as far as I can tell, is there's, and I watched this whole thing because I am right. trying to get involved in Japanese culture, obviously. Right. right. There's a guy, and this is all some anime that may or may not have been found on Pornhub, and this, but it seems like it's like it's got an IMDb page and a Wikipedia, so it's like a real thing because I looked right. it up afterwards. Right. And. So there's like this guy and this chick with blonde ponytails that are talking for a while. And then all of a sudden this other chick with black hair rolls up riding a bear. And she's got like massively (laughs) huge tits, like retardedly huge tits. 
as you will, you and know, then, kind of pushing that fantasy because that doesn't exist. And in I think Japan, even in that, <laughs> even in that clip I pulled, she unzips her shirt and the tits get, get a little, little more popped out, you know. Yeah, because it sounds and, like that. Because the, the the pajamas, they're saying, "Oh, like is, is this is happening in those pajamas?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And yeah, then, it makes a little bit more sense. And then while while like the blonde chick with ponytails that's friends with the other guy goes like, oh, no, no, whatever he said, right? right. Uh, he he says like uh, another like, well, yeah. In this, I don't know if it's in the last clip or the next clip, but an invisible hands start grabbing her massively cartoonishly sized tits and squeezing oh, them. So you see like the imprints of fingers squeezing her tits. What are and you now on? you see full nips. <laughs> so this is hentai essentially. It's hot. It's soft core oh, hentai, okay. but it's so hentai. That's why. Okay. Cause I was yeah. going to say this sounds a little porny, but okay. Yeah. yeah so it <laughs> sounds a little. Porny. Yeah. The end of that, the end of that was the end of that was kind of suggestive in terms of like, okay, Oh, this happens in, in pajamas. That's what that's what that was. I was like, okay, this sounds a bit. Well, that's like okay. what Racy. that was why I was surprised by your interpretation of it because if you're watching it, you're like, this is like what they're saying doesn't make that much sense because it's basically like huge tits getting squeezed and nipples and you know. Anyway, let's uh, <laughs> last clip here. Let me know what they're saying here. All right, all right, let's do it. <laughs> ほれ、ほれ、どうだ。思春期の男子には<笑> <laughs> okay, what was that? What were they so I, I only got about the first half, and the uh, I only got about the first half of this. After all the explosions and everything happened, this is very like kind of old Japanese. But the first half of it was kind of like, how's that? Oh, like this is a really important feeling, right? Yeah, get in there. Yeah, get in there. Yeah, no, no, no. I wanted to. And then the guy where he says, oh yeah, you know, that's he's saying like, no, no, no. I wanted to do this with three people. But if and she says, oh, really? So you're not satisfied with that? Then let's move on to the other hand. So I don't know what the fuck was happening there, but okay. she seemed to be very confident this... in her abilities. And this guy seemed to kind of not be getting what he wanted at this place. <laughs> okay, so visually, like I said, like there's like, you know, this one of the chicks with cartoonishly huge tits has like ears, like little like furry ears and like a furry yeah, tail coming out of her ass. And then... They and and the blonde chick with with uh, blonde ponytails uh, is like some kind of scientist nerd. I, I watched this whole 22, 23 minute thing without being able to tell what they were saying. 
but it, it seemed like she was jealous of the other two chicks throughout. And the other two chicks were, uh, had giant tits and she had no tits and which is probably why she was jealous. And so this dude starts feeling up the other chicks tits and oh. then, and then, and then, like Doctor Octopus style, the little blonde chick has this backpack that shoots out these like eight robotic tentacle arms and starts fingering the other two chicks. <laughs> and then, like the other chicks, start shooting syringes wow. at the other guy that was feeling up their tits. And by the, I didn't clip the whole thing, but by the end of it, like they go and like to some doctor's office. I couldn't tell what was going on there. And by the very end of it, they're all getting like all three chicks are getting penetrated in all orifices by tentacle monsters. Nice. I love it. I probably So what I'm asking is and what I'm asking is, is this typical of Japanese cartoons? I would say, you know what's typical is the way they were talking about it. So the way they were talking is like Shonen style, you know, like Dragon Ball Z, Gundam, like Naruto anime, like Fight Night, Golden Age anime type of shit. But about this. So that's more why I was confusing, not because I couldn't completely understand it, but because I couldn't see the situation but it sounded like yeah because like, the know, translation you gave about, the like, translation you gave makes it sound like a normal conversation just a slice of but life the, <laughs> yeah yeah but the entire what it but the like. entire time what i'm looking at is like you know 32 g tits flopping around getting groped by invisible hands and like fondled by tentacles but like the, so what it, what they're talking about has nothing to do with that kind of, I mean, it kind of has something to do with it, but it, I don't know. I, was just... I mean, I think this is typical of certain anime, like, cause what they're doing here, even though this is like softcore hentai, right? Like I see this softcore. It's definitely like, softcore. Yeah. I see it in like normal anime too, you know, like just in the way that they say it, like you may get the English transfer uh, translation, but in Japanese, it might be a joke that means something totally different. Because, uh, like, for instance, like, if you like, if you say you're going to go fuck around with someone at night, they call it night sports. That's a directly direct translation of it. But it's slang. So you would never. Oh, night sports. Like, what's that? Yeah, it's a great huh. episode title. <laughs> night, night sports. Sport. Yeah. <laughs> night sports. Next time. Yeah, yeah I definitely. High I mean, I'm, I'm actually learning a lot here. I I'm not like. I th- I had never watched hentai. And I guess that's like softcore hentai. It's not like full on hentai. But right, full-on right. hentai gets censored anyway, so it's like, what's the point? That's where it comes out. I'm Japanese. not going to say I didn't get a boner, I'll say. Yeah, yeah, I no, no. We, had, for the we both had a boner just now. We were boner brothers. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, <laughs> Japanese uh, <laughs> Japanese culture, I'm too, we could sword fight if you were there, but Japanese Japanese <laughs> culture is, uh, you know, I think it's very conservative in, in your face. So it comes out like in anime. It comes out in hentai. It comes out in porn and stuff. You know, that's where I've literally seen, you know, there's like those. Have you guys heard about like the DVD stores in Japan, the sex shops? You know, I walked into a DVD store in Shinjuku and they wouldn't let my uh, fiance in. (laughs) I was like, yeah, kind of shop. Oh, I see. I'm not surprised. It's like that, dude. It's sketchy. It's like, (laughs) you know, in like a building that has not been renovated at all. But like the rest of Shinjuku just got updated. But then it's like a guy, you know, with glasses in like a corner behind a curtain and like a sketchy thing where you have to go down a flight of like six stairs that are like two feet wide like yeah it's it's pretty weird man going into one of these stores 
So would you say, maybe this is a gross generalization, but is there some degree of like sexual re- repressiveness in Japan? 100%, dude. Absolutely. That's yeah. why the uh, Kabukicho, like the red light district, is such a thing. It's because, you know, the salaryman, right? The Japanese salaryman, the traditional, uh, you know, salaried worker, he'll go and he'll work from 8 in the morning until like, you know, 7, 8 at night. And then he has to go out and drink drink with his superiors because that's a whole part of Japanese culture. A lot of business happens over, over drinks at a meal. And then, you know, you come back home like 10 o'clock fucking wasted. Like, you know, your wife's probably not in the mood. You probably don't get to hang out with your children much. So... Then in Japanese culture, you see men going out to like red red light districts a lot. You see relationships that are more about the marriage than it is about the actual relationship. It's about like Mm -hmm. the last names and the power. And you know, yeah, I think it's definitely a lot of repressed sexuality out here. Hundred percent, man. Wow. (laughs) My shit isn't repressed. My my wife has great titties, and I squeeze them often. But for some people. Big old invisible handprints. <laughs> yeah, big visible handprints. <laughs> oh, sorry, visible. <laughs> yeah, big visible handprints, man. That, that leads me perfectly into what I just posted in the chat. Uh, this cosmopolitan image. Uh-oh, I'm uh oh. So, <laughs> Booberry, you already saw it. This is. It, I, I want to know how common this is in Japan. This is a Japanese man laying on his back with VR goggles on. Squeezing two synthetic boobies hooked up to a machine that is pumping his dick. The uh, the image is in the chat. Is this a is this commonplace? I swear, at one point I saw like twelve dudes in a row lined up, all with this on. I just want to know how common this is. And also, there's all this shit in Japan. Like Japan has weird porn, dude. Like they have game show porn and like bukkake, like people sitting like this news. Like I saw one time. And I like I I couldn't finish it because it was too weird. But I saw one time this chick reading the news while she got jizzed on by like thirty guys. Is that like what is going on in Japan? Is my main question because they have this crazy shit that is so over the top crazy, but they blur out the important parts. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm wondering what the what the fuck is going on here? There's so many questions. <laughs> I have so many questions about Japan and their porn. Well, I'm 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 glad this is where <laughs> second second half is uh let <laughs> off to. Did we hmm the one twenty, are you still there? Well you might need to refresh. I think I scared him off with the I think I, he saw that picture of that Japanese dude getting jerked off by a robot and he probably bailed. I would not blame him. Oh there we Can go. Yeah, I, sorry, am I too loud? I think I I might have lost my uh my, my mixer here for some reason. Oh, uh, let's see. Put that back down. Let me turn you down check, on check, this check. side. One, two, one, two, one, two. Here did we you are. see the animated GIF I put in there, though? That's I did see that. Wow, that is freaking intense, man. I think. Yeah, my point. That, my point is: is that common? How common is that? It's it's not, but at the same time, um, so the the point of the story, right, that I was going to tell you. Uh, about the sex store, if you've been in one of the sex shops, is I went in there and I saw they had like a shit porn section, right? And then they had like oh, a plastic no. like shit sample there, and they were like, like oh. here's what the shit looks like on the thing. So I think oh, what God. it is is I think Japan wants to do everything better than everybody else, you know? Oh, I think wow. there's that, and everyone wants to mind their business. So I've seen guys on the train just like full on reading like a you know like like the the manga from the fucking anime you were watching, just like full on reading like tentacle rape shit like on the train just like 
just like out there, just, you know, <laughs> just, just standing around reading it, you know? So I think it's, I think it's not normal, but I think when they do, when it does come to sexual things in Japan, that they definitely try to push the envelope as far as possible, but while still keeping it tastefully uh-huh. censored. <laughs> Gotta have my censorship. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you should send that to uh, Midnight Mike. <laughs> I love this. I, love this. <laughs> I wish I knew Japanese because when I was watching this, I was like, I wonder what the most r- ridiculous phrases I could pull out of this were, but I didn't. There was no subtitle. There was no dub on it. I need to get the There's- dubbed version. Of it. I don't even know what it's called because everything looks like squiggly, squiggly lines to me on these animes. It's probably like from some fucking tiny ass studio that's like trying to make it and they couldn't get one piece, but then they like settled for making this shit. I mean, it was big enough to have millions of views on Pornhub and have like, uh, I mean, it was big enough to where it was like when I looked up hentai, it was the first result. Oh, but if it doesn't make it to mainstream, do porn like anime studios don't make any money. If it doesn't make it, like, I, it was it was way, shit, it was like, way better animation than Pokemon. Like the way those boobs were rippling, like in like they were water. What, Pokemon didn't have that like, level of animation. Budget for this shit, you know what's uh what would be considered, I guess, mainstream animation? Uh, is it one of the? Is it a major studio picking it up? Is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, like something by Studio Ghibli or like something yeah. by Aniplex or something by you know, uh, what's the the people that do Dragon Ball? Uh, know, toy, uh, right? Yeah, toy, toy Party animation. Monster. Like, yeah, those kind of studios. Those are the studios that have the big budget. Their shows usually get picked up by like Netflix or they get picked up by Crunchyroll. Those shows would be considered mainstream. You know, like I would say something like uh, Berserk is like barely mainstream. Okay, interesting. You know, Pokemon, Demon Slayer, Dragon Ball Z. That's all your all your. That's it's it's the same here. You know. It's mainstream here too, but it's generally still pretty niche. Not everyone, not every Japanese person likes anime. For sure. Is there a, is there any Can sort I, of before we get off this topic, I'm sorry, I have one more thing to say about <laughs> Japan. <laughs> and this is probably the most ridiculous thing I've ever said on a podcast. But God bless Japan for bringing us Hitomi Tanaka. Thank you. Yeah. Good night. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> God bless right. you, kids. <laughs> you know, I mean, what God did she sell her soul to? I don't know, man. That's like some Jimi Hendrix level soul selling shit. Come up yeah, with that's, that. No, that's Jesus Christ. Dude, look at those. I don't even know who in the world y'all are talking about. She <laughs> has. I guarantee you, she can't find a bra her size in like a Japanese store for sure. She has no, to order and from an and website. and I will say this also: fuck Japan for making everything she does blurred out from the waist down. Got to keep it censored. You can yeah, have like <laughs> twenty guys jizz all over her, but then like yeah, make that's sure what you I was saying off the earlier. It's like, like, what, why? Why? What is, what is up with Japan? It's like you can have like. <laughs> You can have like literally a hundred land dudes of the rising gray area. Jizz on a woman's face, but you have to blur out like her vagina while you while it happens. Japan like what the is hell like, is going on in Japan? We're all about the gray areas, man. They're all about the if there's a gray area, you better believe Japan's gonna fill it. <laughs> oh my lord. Well um, oh, my. 
as as much as as much as I appreciate. Wait, hang on, uh, hang on. I like women with big giant tits and big asses. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not bragging, but <laughs> I've had sex with like fourteen hundred women. <laughs> All of them were Japanese. I'm not bragging. <laughs> Uh, okay, that was my second half of show. Sorry, that took a little longer than I expected. <laughs> I'm glad that uh, we can forever uh, think back fondly on this episode as the behind-the-schemes hentai deconstruction episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can be the sleeves I always knew I was. <laughs> well, the uh, what, what I've brought for uh, tonight's presentation um, actually came through looking up the QAnon stories in Japan, uh, Jayanons, as, uh, as the authors kept referring to them. And in the middle of diving into everything, I discovered that there is a magazine published in Japan, an actual physical magazine, uh, titled Super Mystery Magazine, MU, M-U. And uh, this is a magazine that has existed since 1979, and I didn't actually see what issue. Let's see if I got that information. Uh, hmm. I'm not sure how many issues they have at the moment, but uh, apparently they sell about 57, or sorry, 57,033 copies every month. Uh, its most recent issue takes up to- such topics as uh, an Illuminati card that predicted the assaults on the U.S. Capitol, uh, the Illuminati card being from the Illuminati card game. Um, 120, have you seen these before? The Illumina- the, the uh, Super Mystery Magazine or the Illuminati card game? Uh, first, the Illuminati card game and then uh, the actual magazine. I've heard of the magazine um, but the Illuminati card game, no, I've never seen. It's this crazy uh, – here, I'll, I'll drop you a link so you can uh, check it out at a later date if you'd like. Um, the it, Illuminati it, card game is wild. Yeah. I'll it, check it out now. You don't tell me what to do. It's, uh, it was, <laughs> it was, it was uh, created in the 90s based off of a, uh, an author's work. What was his name? Uh, Robert <laughs> Anton Wilson. Okay, um, yeah, I've seen yeah. this. I've seen this. Yeah, yeah I know where I've uh, seen this. They had 9-11, the Pentagon getting hit, how all kinds of stuff in there. <laughs> Plague oh of Demons in D.C. <laughs> you know where I've seen this? I've seen this in a hard-off. What's a hard-off? It's Kinda the opposite like a of a hard-on. But... That's when your ding shrinks back up and shrinks. It's when it shrinks Sorry. back. It's when it gets cold. No, it's a, yeah. it's a, <laughs> It's actually they have a like a like a like a off brand of stuff, and then it's like hard-off, off-house, off fashion and and hard office like you go there and you can find everything in this uh basically a, 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 a it's a recycle shop and they have like you know it's a it's a thrift store oh, okay and uh you go to hard off and they have like an entire resale section of cards and it's just like japanese guys like just like in hoodies and like onesies just like nerd now hardcore and i've seen these in there i've seen these in there this oh, is, that's this so is cool funny. Ah. i didn't know what this was though I've never, uh, I've never seen them in person. I'd love to pick up a set, but uh, like someone mentioned in the chats earlier, they're quite pricey for for a full set. But yeah, it's a it's a mm-hmm. full card game, and uh, there's tons of uh, what could be described as predictive programming illustrated in the cards. Uh, so it's, it's very fascinating stuff. Like, you know, one of the more um, talked about ones. Uh, there's a card on the 
bottom of the first page called a terrorist nuke, and it's a it's a image of uh, two towers with one exploding towards the top, very nice. reminiscent of nine uh, eleven. You know, nice, nice. And there's the lizard people uh, mask one. Mm, I love the there's uh, a bunch of there's so many good nice cards touch. on that. Yeah. What were you saying? Have you ever Boobery, Have you ever played the uh, the card game? No, I'd love to. I'd love to play an online version of it. Honestly, I think right. make I'm, I'm just this. wondering, like, how the game works. Like, is it like Pokemon? Is it like you know, <laughs> Texas Hold'em? Like, what kind of card game are we talking? It seems seems like a Pokemon type game. It's, it has a on like on this my favorite card here. It says Bimbo at eleven. This card gives a plus five on an attack to destroy any male personality. Must come from the attack. Must come from a media group. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> if the attack succeeds, the target is considered per- permanently disgraced and out of public life. <laughs> Thus, he cannot return to play by any means. What the fuck? Dude? They're trying to play that know. card on Dave Chappelle right now, bro. Yeah, right. I love it. Holy shit. Dude. So uh, this is this is one of the more recent topics covered by uh, Moo Magazine, as we'll refer to it from now on. Um, they've also, let's see... Uh, uh, I lost where I was. Um, they, they've covered the skulls of a non-human hominoid unearthed in, uh, ooh, I'm going to fuck this one up, Niigata, N-I-I-G-A-T-A? That's probably, uh, that's correct, actually, Niigata. Yeah, the Niigata uh, prefecture. Um, no. uh, uh, a bottle found in China embedded in lava, estimated to be several million years old. Um, they've covered the planet's oldest living creature, the Kuma, Kumamushi, an ancient alien stone tablet in an Aztec site, and the body of a massive creature buried in the Persian Gulf seabed. I mean, this sounds like the place to be when it comes to conspiracy culture in Japan. Um, the magazine was inspired by the classic book, Chariots of the Gods, which is a, a novel kind of describing how aliens came down and sort of seeded the human race in the beginning times. Um, Fucking probed us. Yeah. <laughs> they created us so they could probe us. Um, but yeah, the, the, the connection here was um, the editor for the magazine, uh, what was his name? Uh, Takeharu Mikami, uh, the current editor of Mu, uh, has been doing these interviews about conspiracy literacy and why QAnon hasn't really um, seemed to take in like a, a, hasn't really grabbed a lot of the population. Um, One of his quotes, he says, uh, uh, Japan has failed the test for the nation's, uh, I'm sorry, this is a New York Times writer talking about Q in Japan. He said, Q has failed the test for the nation's conspiracy connoisseurs. And then the editor goes on to state that it's too naive for our readership. And, um, you know, full disclosure, I've gone on record before on this show saying that uh, QAnon definitely feels like a honeypot of sorts. It exists for both sides, Uh, you know, one side to uh, soak it up and find this, uh, you know, this sort of divine drive to just sit around and wait for two more weeks for shit to finally happen. But then it never does. And then in turn, the media can say, hey, look at all of these, you know, crazy terrorists. They're they're going to kill us all and, you know, reinstall Donald Trump in the White House. And it's just like a it's a real it's a real fear driven sort of spectacle, media spectacle. 
I think I think in Japan it is fear driven, and I think in Japan the reason part of the reason why it it didn't do as well because when you see American uh, you know media coverage, you know political coverage on television out here in Japan, they don't really show it in a in a great light. They just kind of show Trump doing his thing. And they comment on it, you know, but anyone from the outside looking in at this guy would, would see that this is a, a man baby. Um, so I think the, the population is really too clever. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's, you know, it's all about loyalty to the media. As I said, when Japanese people decide something, they've decided it. A lot of these kind of sound uh, right wing and very loyal to uh, a particular way. And I think these are people that aren't that aren't popular. Uh, in the government right now. And these are the people that are supporting this QAnon movement because it doesn't make sense, right? It's baseless. Baseless. Uh, you know, it's I, baseless. I, I do, I do see some of the, cause there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of shit that I feel has been co-opted by QAnon. And, um, I, you know, I would give them as much benefit of the doubt as to say that, Towards the beginning, maybe it was this like super top secret altruistic. Yeah, we're the good guys. We're coming in to do shit. Um, I just I never got into it because a it's too much of a time suck to sit there and try and like go balls to the wall trying to decode everything. And um, I know Chris, you've you've had more uh, fervent uh, QAnon believers on your show. And um, dude, my dad's all into Q. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, but the, the the guy that was most in the queue, Boris D. Python, Magos, Will Magos had him on his show, and we did one or two shows, the three of us together on Abs in a Six Pack, and none of us have heard of him from him since the week after January 6th. So I'm hoping he's not in Guantanamo Bay at this point. Uh, uh, that should, crack a beer to him. That shit definitely... Uh, uh, oh. Yeah, that... that I do remember you saying that. That, that does kind of get me a little freaked out because uh, there's no telling where he's at or when, if he we is. Me and him, you were in constant contact until about that point, and I haven't heard from him since. I mean, if he brought his phone with him, you know, it's you know how it goes, you know. Yeah. Like geolocate your ass, and or you have someone see you in a in a photo tagged on Facebook, and you're out. You know. I I Occam's razor more likely he saw the way the winds were turning, and he was like. Because he'd always been like OTG kind of guy. I think he probably just went full OTG and took his wife and kid like, and just got mm-hmm. the fuck out. I think that's probably what happened, but hopefully, I'm also hoping that's what happened. Cause it, it's a, he's a good dude. Like, whether he's right or wrong about a lot of things, like, I've talked to him long enough to know that he's not a bad guy. He's a good guy. I, I definitely because um, there's a there's quite a, I think the arrests are somewhere in the 500 range if I'm not mistaken, um, and that's just what they're telling us. Yeah, but mm, you know there's, there's definitely more. There's a lot of people that have been arrested that are still quote unquote awaiting trial, but they've been you know kind of just locked into solitary and solitary. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's like, oh, okay, so we're going to lock people in solitary confinement for v- v- desecrating the sacred halls of democracy. Like, give me a fucking break. Can I tell yeah. you, a, this is this just reminded me of something that I want to say on this show as opposed to my show. Oh, uh, <laughs> perfect. My, one of my co-hosts. <laughs> Let's hear this. Uh, the one, one of my co-hosts, the one that you probably won't hear for a while, if ever. The other one will still be on the show, but the other one, I think that was his logic, and I can't blame him, especially since he's like 
you know, in college getting a certain type of degree that you need a certain type of not being associated with certain types of things type of job. I like we had the conversation and it seems like he's like, man, like I can't have these kind of conversations and still have that connected to my name. So I think that like a lot of people are having to make that choice right now, which is like, am I going to speak out on this type of shit and still have a, or, or am I going to sacrifice like my career to speak out on this kind of shit is what I'm saying. Mm, mm, mm. Does that I make think, sense? I think, I think, I think, be because you know, at the end of the day, we are we are the media. You know, we're the ones talking about this stuff. So yeah, that's a, a decision I think you have to make. I'm I'm pretty careful myself on the Matt Bigelow show about what I what I say for fear of you know being pushed into one direction or another when really it's just the sum of what I think, and then people like to label it as this or that. Well, yeah, but like, look at uh, what they talked about on the last No Agenda with that coach, you know, digging up 10-year-old emails. If you're talking on a podcast and you're somebody that's wanting to go into some kind of field and people look up for you, look up your name for a job and that name comes up on a podcast, like, that's where I think my my buddy's head is at right now and I can't blame him for it. Mm-hmm. Like, I personally am fine with, like, just going all in on it, but, like, does that make sense? I don't know. If, like, like uh, I, I can't. I can also at the same point can't blame him because it's like there's some. T- <laughs> no, no, it's it like, makes perfect sense, dude. I I've, I've yeah. said on the Matt Bigelow show something. Uh, you know, we spoke uh, a few weeks ago about the uh, about the LBGT thing, and um, you know, we sp- about the whole uh, LBGT people participating in the Olympics and whether or not that should be, you know, what it should be categorize that and i said something that honestly was my opinion because i did not understand the 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 view of these uh people as well as i as i should have so i said something and i had to come back on the show the next week like shit before anyone says anything you know i want to i want to correct what i said and, and say it in a different way so i mean you know i think maybe he just wasn't ready to, to be thrown on into that full-on I, well, no, a lot of I mean, this is a guy shit. that we did like a, a shows with him for like a year. I guess here's oh, another okay. here's another example uh, to just like some somebody that's not been on my podcast, but another example in that vein. And I don't mean to get off on this too hard, but now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of want to lay it out. Yeah, I talked to somebody it. that's trying to get into the music industry. He's a producer. Uh, he like produces music and stuff. And he he told me straight up. Um, and I'm not going to name names or any details about him just because he's my friend, you know, and I don't want to out him. But what he basically said was in the music production industry, I was told straight up, you are not allowed to question COVID. You are not allowed to question masks. You are you, you like if you start talking about this kind of stuff, like even to the point of JFK, like you will be like you will not be hired for jobs like they will not hire you if you have any kind of outward dirt and that's why when he was on the podcast and i think i've had enough people on the podcast to where this won't be outing him when he was on the podcast he didn't talk about any of that shit so it's like in japan (laughs) well yeah if they found but that's what i'm saying it's like it's it's such a it's such a um it's such a volatile situation with what you can even talk about I don't even know how we got onto this. I'm sorry about a derailed. Probably I don't know. No, no, I don't absolutely, know. dude. It's it's, it's it, yeah. You have to tiptoe right now in today's political climate and eggshells, man. Eggshells. You know, 
with the it, it, information is becoming ever more accessible and people can literally just look you up and find out all your information, man. So, yeah, it's, I think you I think you absolutely have to be careful, especially if, you know, like you said, with the previous example, you want to be an entertainer or you want to be an influencer. Then, yeah, you got to unfortunately, you got to be careful, man. That's the world we live in. I just I I do. Maybe maybe I'm a little starry eyed about it, but I do feel that um, sort of. Having having the backbone be that value for value. I mean, yeah, you know, we're we're. I wouldn't say that we're completely one hundred percent decentralized from um, any you know the major platforms. Um, I think we're still featured on Spotify. I honestly, I don't know how long that's going to last. Uh, um, <laughs> but you know, having that sort of like that listener based producership, I, I, I would certainly hope that that would offer a buffer, you know, where it really counts in, in terms of, you know, not being ran out of town or, you know, canceled for having opinions that simply put, they just go against the mainstream. So fucking cliched, but it's like anything that goes against the mainstream narrative, which can change from week to week. Um, and it's just really it, not which can change, which does which change. does change. Yeah, yeah it d- definitely yeah. does, dude. Like I'm even like my wife likes to joke around. She's like, "Hey, boomer," and I'm like, "Fuck, man!" Like I just I just said like one thing. I was born in 1990, man. Oh my god. I pl- I yeah. played so much Left for Dead back in the day that when I hear somebody say, "Hey, boomer," that's where I go. Nice, my friend. right? That's where you should go. Um, I I will say I I. I I might not have uh, described that well, but I, what I will say is I don't think it's – how can I say this? I, I don't think people are actually in my circle afraid of uh, – I, I don't know. They're, they're, they're Basically, the people I'm talking about are – including one of my co-hosts. It's like – it's whether they – it's not that they disagree with sh- the shit. They just can't uh, – they just can't publicly say it, and and that goes with several of my friends. Like, and I this goes in every field, whether it's medicine, science, uh, re- fucking real estate, or retail. You know, like everybody has to, like you said, w- uh, walk on eggshells, and it sucks. Um, I mean, I I have I have come to the point where I have my two jobs that I currently have. Like, it, they're not going to mandate shit. They're not going to do shit. They're not going to it doesn't matter what comes out about what I've said on the internet, but like not everybody has that luxury. And also people have higher aspirations than me. I don't know. So I can't blame, I can't blame people for having like reservations about being associated with countercultural ideas. And that's exactly, that's, that's what we do is counterculture. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's one reason why, all of these podcasts, because um, 120, there's probably, what is it? I think the number was like 38. Uh, mm-hmm. There's 38 different shows that air on the No Agenda stream. It's a it's a internet radio stream that broadcasts 24-7. Right. Um, yeah, nope. but one of those is Congressional Dish. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. And uh, out, of, out of those th- Yes, to- yes. Totally derail me. Out of those thirty-eight, you know, there's there's ten of those shows that go live once a week. Uh, you know, we go back to back with a show called Hog Story, which is a phenomenal production. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Great episode tonight of Hog Story, by the way. I yeah. heard it all. Great yeah. episode. <laughs> Hillary Clinton on NPR breakdown. Yeah. Um, yes. But, uh, you know, bowl after bowl on Tuesdays, Rare Encounter, Abs in the Six Pack, uh, Our Big Dumb Mouth, Nick the Rat. I mean, there's tons of shows. And, you know, we've, we've definitely kind of created our own sort of pocket of the Internet. But this is stuff that I can't bring to the old normal. Uh, you know, I, I come from 10 years of working in the entertainment industry Mm-hmm. And no one would dare, um, you know, question any sort of of the COVID mandates that are that are going out for a lot of these tours and whatnot. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, like I would, I would just be, you know, if we could have a conversation without allegations of me being a mass serial killer, because I'm not sure if the mask is 100% effective or if the vaccines are 100% effective. Um, or, you know, maybe is it all just carrot on a stick to just keep leading people along? And the minute you say that, you're a conspiracy theorist. Technically, I prefer the term you're conspiracy. Hitler, bro, you're Hitler. <laughs> yeah, dude, you want to kill all humans. Uh, I prefer the term conspiracy hypothesizer. Right. I just think I, I just think people, you know what I think about this? I think this whole, the, 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 new, the new world, the way the new world is, man, I think we, we kind of forget to get less caught up in the semantics of things and actually address the problem. You know, people are more caught up in saying, ah, he said he doesn't support COVID. Ah, he's theorizing about this instead of saying, <laughs> he like, doesn't support COVID. how does the mask work? You know, how does, how effective is this stuff? Let's look at the data. You know, actually, like, the that, minute you question, you know, big that's pharma, an interesting you can't question as someone from know? Japan, because Japan has been on the mask kick for way before COVID, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been wearing masks. What's your opinion on that, then? I think it's just considerate. You but know? do you think, think they uh, work? I mean, I think that my mask is wet, and I think that there is something in those particles. And I, I think that's what I think. I think, I think sure, you know, it is something in front of my face that blocks things from going out of my mouth into the public. I think, Including it, oxygen, right? Yo, I, I, yeah, right, right. Like, yeah, you can't even fucking breathe in those things, dude. Well, I have a nice one. I have one made, but yeah, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's something to take with a grain of salt, man. You know, uh, yeah, the yeah. masks are they the most effective thing in the world? No, but like, should we get caught up in the conversation about like, well, how effective are they? Like, just, just fucking wear the mask, man. You know, so it's not gonna kill you. I like, and I should yeah, well, I will say, I, I liked what Rogan there. said when he, Sanjay mm-hmm. Gupta was on. I think it was the episode Rogan said, I don't right. think the masks work, but I wear them to make other people around me comfortable. And that's, that's, I like yeah. that take. That's um, what I think, you uh, know? Yeah, the, I, I don't think they work for shit at all, <laughs> really, honestly. And if you look at the old studies you saw in the Spanish flu, 1918 or whatever it was, of... Uh, the papers penned about it, like most of the studies showed that most of the deaths were caused by bacterial pneumonia caused by the mask because you're breathing in what you're exhaling, and that's not meant mm. to happen. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Now, I will say one thing I saw on social media, which blew my mind and really pissed me off since I have a newborn baby in the house, was a, multiple pictures of babies that were my baby's age, two, three weeks with masks on their face, their ears are pulled back, like kind of like bent because of the mask. And this is a baby in a crib. That's like a couple weeks old wearing a mask. 
And fuck that's that. The new norm. Every, that's the world. Every health, yeah, but every health expert shows that that is really bad for the baby. Like it's not letting them get the proper amount of oxygen they need. Anyways, it it pissed me. It pissed me the fuck off. I I don't I feel, like. It's the kind of thing you can't make everyone happy, you know. Like I like I I don't deny the data. Um, it's the kind of thing you just can't make everyone happy. Like, can you walk up to the hospital and say, you know, don't do it this way? I get well, tired. The, the people the people involved with uh, the hospital situation when my baby was born a couple of weeks ago. Most of the people I was talking to in the hospital knew this whole COVID thing was bullshit and knew the vaccine thing was bullshit, uh, which I've already talked about, so I won't deep dive into it. But yeah, right. Boobery, I'm right. sorry to derail. What, uh, what else you got? Um, I mean, it, do y'all want to hear anything else about uh, the Super Mystery Magazine? Um, I've got a lot of their, uh, yeah. I've got a lot of their uh, their uh, cover art. Which is really phenomenal airbrush stuff, very esoteric in in, uh, in all of its depictions. Um, I found a website that's actually selling back issues from one was uh, 1996, uh, actually a couple from the 90s. One from I saw the, some of their stuff. It looked like freaking uh, looked like the Matt Bigelow show. <laughs> it's um man, if he's got an artist, fucking hit me up. <laughs> I would gladly pay. Let's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> see. Uh, but, Super mystery, but uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, unfortunately, I ne- I was never very proficient in in reading uh, Japanese characters, but uh, you know, it's it's got full list of all the contents. I'm sure there's some really fascinating stuff in there, just based on the art alone. And and one of my favorites is actually featured towards the bottom, but it's a it's a prism with the uh, Freemason square and compass. So it's got a little cross buried in the middle of the compass with the. Uh, I'm sorry, it's a prism. Uh, and then you got your beam of beam of light coming in and splitting out as a rainbow. It's just really cool stuff. Um, and they even had a series of uh, pocket monsters uh, on eBay. You wow. can find listings for various cryptids released by the Moo magazine. You've got Mothman in there and the, and the Abominable. Nice. Abom- oh, yeah, yeah, I see the Mothman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An Oni, a Yeti, uh, Loch Ness monsters there down there at the bottom. We got the Goat Man in there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's there's tons of them on that eBay link uh, under um, uh, Uma Mystery Magazine Japan exclusive figures. Tons of them. Very fun stuff. Oh, do they have like aliens and stuff? I love this. Where yeah. the what the what freaking dimension is this <laughs> little creature from? And, there, you know, honestly, there was uh, – I, I found a, a, a really good – I'm article. not bragging, but I've seen at least 20 aliens. <laughs> had sex with just as many. Or All of them Japanese. With, having sex with me. It's, <laughs> honestly, it was a little hard to find information about this magazine. Um, there's only a handful of articles on the internet that uh, I was able to get access to. You, you know why? Let me tell you a fun fact. There is a whole side of the internet that you can't see because it's Japanese. It's I. So I. And the reason why I know this is not due to any research or anything. It's just because I hung out with a Japanese guy. I, you guys are probably the same age as me, late twenties, early thirties. If I'm, if if mm-hmm. yep. is that right? Yep. So so you know, uh, there's a guy, a, a guy that I knew. He grew up in the same time period as us. He grew up on the same stuff as us, as us. But he's just a Japanese guy. He's into the whole pop culture. He watches anime. He wears like freaking hoodies and all these designs and Akira shit, right? So he's a weeb. He's a a weeb, but 
like the Japanese Yankee version. You know, like Tokyo Revengers. He's a weeb, he's but like he's not like cold guys. acid level of weeb. You know, he's no, like, like he's a, a weeb, but he'll weeb. definitely like fuck you up. And also, he like rides one of those bikes <laughs> at night. So you exactly. know, this guy, so you prove my he point. comes over yes. okay. and he's and he's and he's talking about like where he hangs out on the internet, and it's just it's not. It's a whole different world, and a lot of times I find that you, unless you search for stuff in Japanese, you won't find what it is that you're looking for. Like you'll see, you see it in YouTube. You look up an artist, a famous artist in Japan, and you're like, "Whoa!" Like I thought this guy was way bigger than this, and it's because Japan has their own, they their own shit. You know, they pride themselves in being, "Oh, we're the only ones who have this." So that's why I think you can't find much information is because it's buried in kanji. Fascinating, which Very is really has slang on it, you know. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a, there was one really good article. It was uh, unsolved mysteries. Japanese fans mm-hmm. of the occult are engaged in a never-ending search for the truth, and this was a uh, uh, Japan Times JP. But uh, the uh, here we have the editor in chief again, uh, Mikami, says the magazine's concept has remained mostly unchanged since its founding days and reflects the bygone era's more open-minded attitude towards the supernatural before tougher compliance standards forced the media to tone down its coverage of the potentially dubious and fantastical. Uh, I mean, this this article hits it all. Fortune telling. They they get into a little bit of the. Oh, what was the name of the the uh, doomsday cult? And they they uh, perpetrated the gas attack on the train. I, I forget the name of them. They had a the the leader was Shoko Asahara. Um, you know they they feature him because it's a the cult like be, uh, behavior in the magazine, or sorry, in this article. Not uh, but sorry, let me back up here for a second. Getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Um, the magazine had also featured an interview with Shoko Asahara uh, way before he had um, implemented that train attack with, or the gas attack on the train line. Uh, so, they, I mean, it's uh, uh, for, you know, at today's standards, they, uh, they talk about artificial intelligence and the singularity. I mean, I would love mm-hmm. to get my hands on a couple of copies of this stuff. Uh, yeah. they say it's printed well, up just like a manga. Yeah, dude. Uh, if you, if you, uh, yeah, l- later on, uh, in our chat, uh, definitely talk to uh, myself and Matt and we can, we can definitely look around and try and find some of the stuff cause it's out there. You know, sometimes you just find it in the seven 11, you know, but you know, it's, it's just, you gotta know what you're looking for. You know, there's a store, a, a DVD store that sells manga magazines and stuff right down the street from my house. Uh, they have a whole section about stuff just like this. And then they have like a little room with like curtains and shit on it. Did like, I saw penthouse yeah. magazines? It's that. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Only ones with the Dr. Octopus backpacks, okay? All right, all right. Japan. What? So many idea So uh surely surely y'all have been wondering what does the word moo mean? Any any takers, any guesses? That's what a cow says. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. Dad jokes to go. Oh wait, hang on, sorry. There we go. Yeah. Well, let me. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit you with uh, just a couple. Cl- I don't think we'll we'll get them all just because we're kind of running out of time. But uh, Moo is based off of uh, something I had no 
information on until I started researching for this episode. The Garden of Eden was not in Asia, but on a now sunken continent in the Pacific Ocean was the amazing announcement preceding the publication of The Lost Continent of Moo, Motherland of Men by Colonel James Churchward, formerly of the Bengal Lancers. Churchward, Oxford educated and Sandhurst Military College trained, while on famine relief duty in India in the 1870s, encountered strange and unknown symbols on the wall of a temple he was visiting. He engaged the high priest, or Rishi, to teach him the meanings of the unusual designs. After many years of patient study, the Rishi befriended James and eventually confided that he was one of only three remaining members of the Nikal Brotherhood, keepers of the sacred inspired writings of Mu. The Rishi also told James of the ancient clay tablets secured in the vaults of the temple, relating much more information than the symbols on the temple walls. After many months of asking, James persuaded the Rishi to open one of the chatties, and they both gazed at the ancient, sacred-inspired writings of Mu, also known as the Nikal Tablets. So it turns out... Let me read that to you. (laughs) It turns out that Atlantis (laughs) has a a sister continent that that sank to the bottom of the ocean after a a great tragedy or calamity. Um, Sort of in the same vein as uh, Atlantis, as I just said, or uh, Lemuria... um, it's this uh, ancient idea, I think 50,000 years ago, there existed a highly advanced population that was sort of the progenesis for uh, people all across the world. Because after, or right before this calamity struck, you know, people sort of set off in their respective areas. Um, and what was really interesting, Sir Seatsir, I know you're going to get a kick out of this. If you well, had, if you had to guess, what would what would be the one group of people that you would expect to hear in this mythology? Uh, Jews. Oh, you're Jewish, right? <laughs> the motherfucking Uyghurs are perpetrated oh. to be one of the original colonies from this continent. Maybe it's just Okinawan people. <laughs> that's where they're, that's where they're talking about it. About about it, maybe. So. Well, if uh, if you look at a map, let's see. I have it in here somewhere. I'll drop that. In it's, 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 and times is talking about how uh, Mu is, is somewhere near. They believe it's somewhere near uh, uh, Okinawa out in the Pacific. But who's to say? I've I've never been that far out into the ocean. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, this the the map that they have drawn here. It's a uh, it, it's out there. I mean, this continent would stretch almost from Japan all the way to Argentina. Like, it's massive. That's a, yeah, it's like... Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the maps here. I mean, that's that's uh, about the size of Russia and, and Asia. Or, uh, uh, yeah, Asia, you know? And, and they also feature Atlantis, uh, which is, is a, in this particular map, a free-floating continent. I hope Sir Machu doesn't get too pet, uh, pissed off at me. But... Um, yeah. Well, th- you're getting into early maps, which even Sir Matthew, I think, couldn't deny that some of these early maps show an entirely different landscape for even North America. 
Yeah, mm. man. And and there's even there's even the what did he call it? It was like the Amazonian Sea. And if you look in South America, there's there's almost this uh this crossing in the middle of or sorry, in the top part of the continent. Um ice wall. Ice wall, bro. <laughs> Circuit board on the firmament. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't gone full Adam Curry with the circuit board yet. Hopefully, right. hopefully I'll get red pill on that soon. But yeah. Um. But probably the most fascinating thing that I that I had found there is uh, a YouTube channel called um, Uyghur History on YouTube, and I, you know I can't play the video because there was no audio. It was only text and music. But if you guys circle back and any of the listeners circle back to this video and like they're they're saying, I mean, the Uyghur Empire. Th- this is just a quick transcription. Uh, I'm, I won't go through the full thing because it's long. But um, you know, they, they 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 say that the Uyghur Empire was possibly the first and unquestionably the largest, most important, and most powerful of all the colonial empires belonging to Mu. Colonization commenced just north of Burma more than seventy thousand years ago. And its empire stretched from uh, stretched its powerful arms from the Pacific Ocean across Central Asia and into Eastern Europe from the Caspian Sea on. And this is before the British Isles became separated from the continent of Europe. It's just this did you you might have already mentioned this, but this map that you posted, mm-hmm. this big old sea in the middle of uh, South America, what is that? This is the Amazonian and, and Sea. I'm taking a look at the map too. Yeah. And this is actually featured from the video that I was playing the clip from. Um, it seems that, uh, what was it, James Churchward, uh, Colonel, he was a, uh, he was a 18th, or sorry, 19th century occultist, uh, sort of in the same vein as Helena Blavatsky. And she was someone that uh, populated the idea of Lemuria, right? But um, this is actually his grandson, Jack, continuing on his research and uh, he had a podcast this is what the clip is from a, a show of his from about nine years ago um and the Uyghur history uh video also is about nine ten years old as well um so it's i you know i don't really know what to think about it i mean it's uh it, it's definitely out there it's and you know it the Uyghurs are something that we've covered uh, covered several times on this show particularly uh, just with uh, a lot of the, I would say, sex trafficking and um, you know organ harvesting. I had just seen some more stuff about it today. <laughs> I think it was the Daily Mail was trying to tie it to Squid Game. Um, Wait, they they tied it to Squid Game? You got to see it to. Mm. Oh, you haven't seen Squid Game, huh? No, I, I thought until you watch that. Until a couple days ago, I thought Squid Game was the new Among Us, like some mobile phone app. Mobile no, phone no, app. Squid Game is basically what's happening right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, and yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree, honestly. Uh, based off of a you conversation, think about it, you know, yeah, based off of a conversation I had not too long ago. I mean, it was, uh, it, it had sort of ended off on, um. You know, I, I fully believe that at a point in time, hunting humans was a was sport. You know, most dangerous game was not a. Oh, it still work, is probably work of fiction. But um, I mean, Squid Game kind of you know 
Yeah, it's like what you know what what would happen if you added Twitch to this mix up and pitted people against each other for uh, cash and prizes, you know? Uh, it's, it's basically what they're doing. They're pitting people. We're pitting people against one another for for pension. Yeah. So would you say that Squid Game is run by evil fucks? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I mean, I would love to do um, sort of an occultic deconstruction of it because it's it's reaffirming to see it's not just America that can have predictive programming and in your face symbolism in its productions. I. Korea did a phenomenal job just squeezing in a lot of the tried and true classics of, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, a, I'd say it's primo predictive programming sort of, uh, it, it, it fits well into that. Um, so it's South Korea. You said Korea, South Korea. Yeah. And, uh, okay. it, it fits well with, they live, honestly, they live Jizzy and the pussycats. Um, I just, I think. Which, by the way, I watched that movie based on your recommendation. And you're in love with it, right? Uh, that might be an exaggeration, but it was pretty good. <laughs> All what, right, what everybody. Hold, I watch it. I watch it on your recommendation. Oh man, this is one of my all-time favorite movies: Josie and the Pussycats from like 2003. Oh yeah, I remember. I never saw it. I thought it was pronounced Jose. <laughs> you might have been. That watching. sounds more interesting. You might have been watching China. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was the porno version. Jose and the Jose and the Gatos. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was good. I mean, I love Breck and Meyer. I love Seth Green, even though they might have been on Epstein's Island. Whatever. It was a good movie. Uh, they really did do a great parody takedown of the record industry and the entertainment industry as a whole. So I I will say Booberry, your recommendation of Ho- of Jose and the Pussycats, I did enjoy the movie. Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> was Jose it the best Pussycats. movie I've ever seen? Not even close. Was it good? Yes. You want the best movie ever? Sharknado, man, hands down. Sharknado, hell yeah! Now we're talking. Hell I actually yeah. worked with the the guys that did the uh, soundtrack for Sharknado too. So that's my. Uh, you know, claims to fame. If I ever got a Grammy, that wouldn't be it. It would just be working with the guys from Sharknado. That's it's a badass movie. Top producer credit. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh. Well, you know, I think we're uh, I think we're kind of uh, strapped for time. Um. I definitely don't want to uh, keep you any longer, one twenty. But there was one quick thing I wanted to sort of bring to the table. Uh, I was hoping to to catch Matt with it as well. Um but we can always have a conversation about it later. Mm-hmm. That being said, there is a show. I might've sent it to you. It's called Ablecraft, and it's uh, two friends of the show, uh, Sir Spencer Wolf of KC and Abel Kirby. And they are producing the music distribution equivalent to the podcasting 2.0. So their, their hopes are to create uh, the sort of avant-garde, distribution service for music that's released on RSS feeds, uh, something mm-hmm. that, that, that kind of takes, uh, takes control from, or takes control of royalties from platforms like Spotify and puts it back into the, this whole value for value producership between oh, yeah. the listener yeah. and the mm-hmm. creator. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of y'all seem like very prolific, uh, musicians and, um, 
you know, sometime in the future that that's a, that could be, I think that would be a really stellar collaboration, you know, halfway across the world, stacking sats, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that sounds like something, you know, that sounds like something to, to get into, especially for me, because I'm, I'm definitely in the music scene uh, a lot. I, I, you know, music is half of my bread and butter. So um, I'm super interested in it. I know Matt, Matt's really trying to push the podcast 2.0. And, and yeah, we're trying to get more support on the show. And as much as we can decentralize things, I, I, I know Matt, for one, is definitely on board that train, as am I. Nice. Well, I, uh, all of that Beautiful. being said, I, I you know I want to I want to sincerely thank you for for taking the time uh, and if you could pass it on to Matt for me I I would appreciate it but uh, you know I've had a, a ton of fun. Um, actually, I lied. I had another question. Do you guys go live or do you do a live show or pre-recorded? We do live. Uh, actually, I I think he has it set. Yeah, I think he has it set up where you can listen live on the website. Oh, that's perfect. Hmm. Um, cool. What day is that? <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. It kind of just depends on our schedules because we have to – it's a whole process, man. Um, but you can uh, always go to the uh, Matthew Bigelow uh, website or head, hit up the uh, Japan Web Podcast website, and we have live announcements on there when the shows are happening, as well as my Instagram, which I'll drop in the comments. Uh, we're always – and Matt's Instagram as well. We're always uh, putting up the uh, information about where you can find us on there. So it's kind of, a, but yeah, it's it's kind of on the go, you know. It's, it's things move really, really fast out here. So, oh, yeah. you know, uh, we're supposed to do a show uh, tomorrow, and I, I can't because I have another recording to do. So it's, you know, it's always moving around. But we keep everyone updated, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I I can't wait for the next one. Um, sir, sir, seat sitter, thank you for coming along and uh, hanging out. You can go to thanks for putting up with me, man. Shitmyass.com. Check out all the goodness. You got anybody coming on this week? Shitmyass.com. Uh, I think uh, we're finally. I I bailed the last time because of unforeseen circumstances, but uh, Deborah gets red pilled doing a swap cast with them on Friday, and starting now every Wednesday 4 p.m. Eastern, I will be live from whether they're not there's a guest. I will be live taking calls, playing music, just doing fucking off. Unless there's a guest, every Wednesday, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern. Every Wednesday from now on. 4 p.m. to 7 Eastern. On Wednesdays. On yeah. Wednesdays. I love it. Yeah. This is a new live son of a bitch. Boo. And I just checked the voicemails, making sure we didn't have any come in at the last yeah, second. Yeah, I was about to ask about the screen mail. No. It was, it's been kind of bare for the past two weeks, so... We didn't have. We only had uh, one or two for Mo last week. Uh, we didn't get any calls from Moo or Atlantis. I know. Unfortunately, I think most of it was sound underwater. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time to it's time to wrap this bitch up. It's been another episode for Behind the Schemes. This is episode sixty-seven. Now it is 10 19 2021. Oh. Tasty. Uh, you got uh, you got anything else coming out uh, 120 that you you'd want to plug in these last couple of minutes? Japan. I will
will say if you like anime and you have Netflix, then look out because you will definitely see me there next year. I cannot talk about it more. But if you would like to hear more in the meantime, be sure to look up 120 on Spotify, all major platforms, as well as YouTube. And stay tuned for our brand new release of the video for Millionaire. As always, thank you guys for watching. This is 120 from the Matt Bigelow Japan Web Podcast. And thank you guys for having me on your show. Spoken like a true professional. I love it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Wow. Like a kabuki show. <laughs> Japan. ありがとうございます。すいませんでした。本当にありがとうございます。すいませんでした。おい、おい、ハコ。あ、あ、あ、あ。ちょっと <laughs> That's my old pervy man. <laughs> Love it. Well, keeping it pervy until next week, I'll be Booberry Mothman in the Miniocalypse. And I'll be Sir Sir Seat Sitter, a.k.a. Skidmark, coming at you. Have a good one. Japan. What? What? This show is behind the... Shem Shepherds schemes. Behind the schemes with threes as knees. No, no, it's not Sudaku. Cool. Yeah, it's Kool Aid. Yeah, I drink it every day. I've been on the road, okay? You know what it's like. You know, when us podcasters, we're all hanging out together like we do, you know, behind the schemes and us, you know. It's kind of like nuns in a convent. All the cycles line up. I think that's how it got there. Uber, you want some action? Check him out at loveislit.com. Motor boosted. Alright. BYO3DG. Gotta have those sexy numbers in there. Oh, sweet baby lavish. What, what? Sweet baby lavish. That sounds like a barbecue yeah. sauce I would buy. I would totally buy that barbecue sauce. Behind the schemes, that's badradio.live. You know why? Because it's bad radio, man. Fewer.